Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. Bonus episode. Fargo Week. Fargo Week, chapter two. <gasps> Bonus episode, the one and only, the legendary John Hamm. Of course, Madman, The Town, Bridesmaids, Baby Driver, Legion, Losing the Sky, Top Gun, Maverick. Oh my God, 30 Rock. 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, uh, uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, that's yeah, fun. A, yeah, uh, The Morning Show, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm. Anyways, uh, but we are here, of course, to talk to him a lot about Fargo, which we couldn't be more obsessed with. Um, very fun interview. Very fun. Very special. So there's a scene... There's a scene in Fargo mm. of John Hamm. Okay. And this song plays. Oh. It's so good, this scene with this song and that man. India. Huh? A little bit of a guitar sound. Oh. <laughs> Did Linnea teach you about that? <laughs> I don't know my friend's name, so I don't know. Baby, can you see? Do you remember this? Classic Britney Spears, yeah, toxic. toxic. Oh, fuck! It's a really cool version. It's such a good version, and paired with what's going on in that scene, oh my god, I had full body chills. Yes, the strings, the sitar. John Hamm is exceptional in this. He is. I think it's the best work of his life. It's it's really incredible. Please enjoy John Ham. We are supported by Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mm. Ooh. Myrtle Beach, I have so much nostalgia. Me too. I did a spring break in Myrtle yes. Beach. Yes. Did you guys used to go there from Georgia? Yeah. Mm. It was a very common beach destination. Ugh. Long sun-drenched days, live music every night, and 60 miles of uninterrupted coastline to enjoy. The beach truly is where your best self comes out. Combine that with the irresistible aroma of fresh seafood, southern classics, and local low country cuisine from over 2,000 restaurants, and you've got yourself the perfect vacation. You belong at the beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. That's visitmyrtlebeach.com. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval, terms apply. He's an expert. Welcome. Thanks. You have a coffee. Would you like me to brew you a new one to have on standby? Because we have this great ember mug. It'll keep warm. <laughs> Not sponsored. The ember? I believe. Yeah. Let me fill one up for you. Okay. Just, just yeah. have it for shits and giggies. 
Why not? And then Monty lives directly across the street. She's building the house across the street. Who? Me. Monica. Oh. <laughs> Which street? This one right here. In you know, the Laughlin Park. Park? Okay. So yeah. our other driveway exits gotcha. in Laughlin Park. When I was looking for my house, I was looking in Laughlin Park and couldn't really find anything. Yeah, they come by few and far between. You wouldn't believe the story that ended up with her getting that one. So really quick, that one had like 15 bidders. Yeah. Then there was an auction. Then it went to a probate court. Then they were in literally in like a auction. L.A. city court wow. at an auction for her to get that one. And she won the auction. It was a really exciting. Was it like literally a raise your hand to bid auction? Yeah. Tell them the secret weapon too. I brought Kristen. <laughs> And, you know, she wasn't buying it, but that scared Didn't everyone. Yeah. Scared everyone's everyone. Everyone's She was involved in that bidding, and they got a sense, like, oh, this bitch is going to go. Well, they're like, sure. oh, yeah, she'll just keep going and going. She's a very rich woman. Uh, guys, this is amazing. It is insane that I'm not a spokesperson for this company because I'm obsessed with it, and I end up coming up nonstop on the show. Because a lot of kids are genuinely like... Why hasn't my coffee gotten cold? This is so lovely. <laughs> and then I'm forced to explain. Yeah, like I said, my therapist has one of those, and I'm constantly, like, distracted by it. Uh -huh. When you're like, in any way, you know, my mom and this and that. I'm like, What's in that? How? How's that working? How does that work? Yeah. Does it do cold, too? Does it almost you know, feel so like questions. he's texting because it's high tech? It's like he's distracted by a device because yeah, it's got exactly. batteries. Is it a male therapist? No, female. Oh, nice. I wonder, do people gender it's up? It's probably the same therapist that a hundred percent of all of your friends go to because she's right in the neighborhood okay oh. i see people i recognize coming and going all the time oh it's like an audition oh, wow. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> can you hear them inside doing the Running same lines. role <laughs> my mom died and i was that's mine <laughs> <laughs> okay so she's not yelling at that part i was gonna yell at that part. maybe i shouldn't yell at that point no, no. <laughs> have you had that moment where you're in an audition oh, where you're sitting in the lobby and you hear someone in there and they're virtually doing what all your decisions yeah. were. And you're like, fuck, I gotta flip this. Now immediate. I gotta completely turn it around. <laughs> I gotta go the opposite direction. I'm and doing I it all in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I had that once for Step Brothers. Adam Scott and Riggle and me were all in the waiting room. The same it was Will and Adam McKay. I guess McKay was there. And I could hear Riggle going full oh Riggle in the room. Like I'm literally like, he's gonna break through the wall. Like he's the Kool-Aid man. He's such a big Joyce guy. Yeah. And I'm like, I gotta go 180 from that. I gotta whisper it. I just whispered it and I did not get that part. I too auditioned for that role. And wow. I'll say it's among a handful of times where I didn't get something and then I was mad. I haven't had very many of those, though. Have you? Where I didn't where get Where you it? didn't get it and you were like, damn. A bunch of times I've been like, eh, it's probably not going to be that good a movie. Well, and then it wasn't. That was one that was really good. I wish I was in it. Yes. Again, so this is one of the cases where it's like Adam Scott got it. I didn't know Adam Scott all that well. I wasn't friends with him yet. Uh -huh. Now I think he's like the oh, greatest. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. Adam's one of the first people I met in LA. Oh, really? Yeah, ages ago. Because he's buddies with Rudd. They were in acting school together. Yeah, so he got that and I was resentful. And then I saw it and I was like, oh yeah, he's done it much better than I could have. Super good. And he deserves it. The other one I'll bore you with is James McAvoy was already in Wanted, but then he fell out because of a scheduling thing. And then they started reading people. And then I got to the finish line. They were negotiating a deal for me to be in Wanted. This is going to be the biggest opportunity wow, yeah. of my career. And then he became available again. And then so I was out. And at that moment, I didn't know who James McAvoy was. Not a lot of people did. No. And then about four months later, I go and see Last King of Scotland. 
And I am having a transcendent experience watching this guy act like I was with Ewan McGregor in Trainspotter to the point where I tell my girlfriend, I gotta fucking write this guy's name down when the credits come up. I gotta see yeah. everything he's done. And it comes up and it's this guy who I was hating. And I'm like, God bless. I would never hire me over this I guy. I remember that movie coming out, seeing ads for it on like the NFL or something. And I'm like, are we supposed to know who anybody in this other than Angelina Jolie is? It was pitched yeah. as like, this is the next thing. And this guy's amazing. And it was like directed by like Timor. Timor. Yes. And you're like, okay, I don't know who this is, but I'm being sold as it is somebody I should know. I was tracking it, of course, because it was like the thing that got away that I was convinced. Can you imagine you and Wanted? Me. At the time I could, but no, no. Looking like, back, it seems preposterous. I, I couldn't tell you what that movie's about. All it's I know is bullets, bullets, bullets go turn. sideways. Yeah. 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 Was, you know what else had that set up? Maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm misremembering this, but it was a movie from the 80s starring Gene Simmons oh. from Kiss. Yep. And maybe Mick Jagger. I remember it too. And there was some kind of thing where the bullets could turn around. He also, maybe Gene Simmons had little like Spiders? spider robots. Yeah, spider robots. <laughs> what was that movie? What a film. <laughs> only we had a device that could tell us every single movie. An unanticipated <laughs> aspect of this that we could completely geek out on forever is probably we've seen all those same insane movies of the early 80s. For sure. Like Bronx Warriors. 100% and, and all because, those gang of, movies. because of Blockbuster and early cable. On TV. Did you guys have On and On St. Louis? TV, yeah, for sure. I don't know if we had it there, but I definitely had it somewhere. In and my there was life. It. It, the movie? No, there was On TV and uh -oh. then there was It. <laughs> the competitor. Well, I'm old enough to remember Channel Z from here. Oh, and how did that work? That was like a set top box with buttons, manual analog buttons that yes, you pressed. Yes, toggle switches. Yeah, and you could go to Channel Z, which was essentially somewhere between like a public access and a HBO kind of double duty. From what I remember, again, I was probably 10 or 11 when I came out here and I was like, Channel Z. Wait, how did you come out here you were, at 10? Yeah, that early? My mother's baby sister, my Aunt Sue, had moved out here in the retail world. She worked for a company called J.W. Robinson's, which was an old department store out here. So she lived literally Three's Company in Brentwood in a swinging singles, Ooh. like, apartment complex. Yes. And my mom, who was also single. Oh, like one of the ones on San Vicente? Those kind yeah, of right sexy. in there, yeah. Where'd Rob go? Oh, he's fucking not curving too, out over. Yeah, not too. Yeah, hello. Where is he? <laughs> he's like oh, up our ass gross. with a rubber nut. Oh. <laughs> not too far away from the Nicole Simpson house. But this would have been because my mom was still alive. So I was been like nine. It would have been like 1980. Were you completely blown away and enamored with this setting? I thought it was the coolest place I'd ever seen in my life. I remember they took me to Westwood. Oh. And there was a, I don't even, I think they still have this store somewhere, but a store called Fiorucci. Ooh. And it was like a punk, neon, new wave clothing store. And I was like, whoa, like I can't. <laughs> First of all, everything was so expensive. <laughs> right. That shirt cost $12. <laughs> like, there's no way. Yeah. And it was like a thing with like max headroom on it. Everything was made know. of plastic and polymer. And literally the neon glasses. Everybody was an extra in a Go-Go's video. Mm -hmm. I was just like, are you kidding me? This place exists. This is real. And then the warehouse was the other place that I thought was super cool. Also clothing, but they were playing techno-y music. And For sure. Wave. And it was like in a movie. Sarah Jessica Parker would have worked there in Square Pegs or something. Do we share a love for Valley Girl, Nick Cage? 100%. Baby doll. Movie kind of holds up. Uh-huh. What about that soundtrack? That to Unreal. me was like the gateway to also, all my new wave love. Oh, there's some deep little Easter egg in there. Oh, Katie Seagal from Married with Children is in that movie, but only her name. They go to some rock and roll club like Bordner's or somewhere, and 
It's like next Thursday, Katie Seagal. Oh. She's like a music act. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I remember seeing that recently. My wife had never seen that movie or something. And we watched it and I was like, go back. It was in passing, like quickly. Obviously, she we had was... like a rock and roll past. Oh my God, that's so cool. She's the coolest. Have you met her in real life? I've met her in passing when her husband, maybe they're still married, I'm not sure, Kurt Sutter. Yep. When Sons of Anarchy was winning a lot of awards or going to award shows, that was around the same time I was going to award shows. So I got to meet her and she could not have been nicer. Oh, she's about as cool as they come. Totally tracks because... If she was doing that in the 80s, you're like, you're probably pretty cool. Yeah. Yes, but I guess growing up seeing her as Peg Bundy, it's such an archetype character cartoon. Yeah. To meet the real woman, and yeah, you get the sense she was like a new wave chick. I never got married with children. I was always a bit of an eye roll for me because I was in the wrong era and age. And you kind of watch it back, you go, oh, they were kind of doing a thing that I just didn't get. They were taking a big swing, and they were winking just as much. And those people were all amazing. I just saw Christina because she was at the Emmys. It was really cool and amazing. And you go, oh, wow, yeah, you've been working since you were a baby, yeah. a literal baby. Since we were children, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, you're right. I think because the narrative of that show at the time was being positioned as Fox is being overly provocative to make a name for itself as a network. So then you heard that before you saw it yeah. and it tainted the well a bit. Yeah. But yes, actually, it's a great satire. The audience, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, and then you go back and you go, it's kind of the same thing that All in the Family was doing with the toilet flushing. It was just a different time. A thousand percent. And they're in on every joke. Totally. Okay, I want to just go back to, because this is one of the only times this has happened to me. And it remains one of the great curiosities of my life. So I met you by way of Kimmel in real life. Okay. And I introduced myself to you. Where was this? A party? We need deets. I want to say it was like at a football watching. Yeah, I think it was at his house. But it also could have been at one of these night before parties. Because I also remember hanging out with you and Polar and Tina. But the point is, is when I introduced myself to you, you said, yeah, we've already met. We met at Kimmel's this other time. And I was like, that's truly not possible because I'm an enormous fan and I know for sure I'd remember meeting you and simply didn't believe it. But in your defense, you had such details that seemed highly plausible <laughs> that that was a conversation we would have had. That's always been this enormous mystery to me because A, I kind of have a good memory and B, I was just enamored with you. I will time. say this about that. You're not the only person who has met me before Mad Men and did not know. It didn't compute that you met. Even your story though was post Mad Men. Okay, then that's on you. It is on me, but I don't <laughs> understand it. Have you had that experience yourself where you're like, well, there's no way I would have forgotten. Oh, for sure. You have. I've okay. definitely had that thing of, I've had full on deep conversations with people and then come back and been like, oh my God, it's so nice to meet you. And they're like, we talked it out. Some of that can be chalked up to being drunk, but sure, some, sure, of that, sure, sure. some of that isn't. A lot of it is more, and you must have a version of this, and maybe this is a representation of that, but when you're going through our existence at a certain level of fame, you meet so many people. It's overload, and yeah. you're kind of on autopilot, and you're not taking it in in a truly present way. You're just yes. kind of lip servicing it. I've never thought of this until you were just describing it, but I think the closest analogy for me is like playing slots at a casino. You might go through like 40 different machines. You'll never remember one of them. It's just like ding, 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 ding. Oh, Johnny, <laughs> ding, 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 Tina Fey. Or a politician that's just going down the line. Hey, there you are. Look at you. How about that? Hey, all right. Good job. 
And you meet these people and you go, man, what a weird life. And then you kind of look in retrospect and you go, we live a pretty weird life too. Yeah. I'll chalk some of it up too as like deep insecurity. For sure. Fake it till you make it. This is all on my end. Act like it's normal for you. Act not that blown away. Don't expose yourself as not belonging at this party. Like a lot of mine is, I know, rooted in just deep insecurity that I don't belong there. I think too, if you experience all of it, there's not enough hours in the day, really. You would never make it past the door of a party. You just go like, too much, gotta go, peace out. There's a certain part of it that's very self-protecting. You have to put some kind of armor up so you can make your way through the party. Yeah, I remember one of my first times I went to the Golden Globes, I was not famous, I was there on like a sponsorship exemption guest of a guest of a thing. And I just remember thinking like, everybody in here is super duper famous. How do they navigate it? I was literally an observer. Around that same time I had gotten to go to the night before the Academy Awards party. Yeah. And again, auditioning for pilot season. All you've got going for you is you're tall and handsome at this point. Kind of it. <laughs> and I somehow got a golden ticket to get into this party and I knew that the gift bag would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You were getting a new HTC cell phone for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and I remember somebody going, excuse me, to get through a crowd. And I went, oh, sure, excuse me. They came up behind me and it was Harrison Ford. Oh my God. Saying, excuse me. And as I stepped out of his way, I stepped on somebody's foot. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and it was Tom Hanks. Oh, wow. And I spun around and I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I backed into somebody and it was Denzel Washington. <laughs> you were a pinball I was like, oh my God, I'm ruining Hollywood. Like, I'm so sorry. Up and comer. <laughs> Jim Ham takes out three left. Let me get your name yeah, wrong. John in Hamm with an H. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, part of that is just it's bonkers. Like our life is bonkers. And yeah. I was just recently, or not so recently, last September, October, back home at my high school. And my high school has a crazy weird pedigree. It's in a tiny high school in St. Louis, but I went there. I taught there. I taught Ellie Kemper there. You know that story? No, but- When she was in eighth grade, he was teaching her ninth acting. Grade. Her sister was in eighth grade. But yeah, she was 15 and she was awesome. I was like, wow, you're really good. You're super committed to this. And your girlfriend while you were there also- Was an actor. Sarah Clark did 24 Forever and yada, also, yada, yada. Heather Goldenhurst. Elizabeth Lame? No. By chance? I think she went to school with Ellie. So she must oh, have been entirely there. possible. She might have gone to NYU or Princeton or wherever Ellie went, though. Could have been college. This is John Burroughs. Also, John Burroughs. Sam Altman, who created OpenAI, ChatGPT. Oh, my went goodness. To wow. This is all to say that we had a 100-year anniversary of this school. It was founded in 1923. This was last year. And I went there, and after the big celebration, which I co-hosted with Ellie, there were probably 2,000 people there. And I probably took a selfie with every single one of them, to the point where I went to my good friend house, his mom and dad's, his brothers were there. We were making pizzas at night. It was hilarious. Drinking beers around the fireplace. They go, what was that? That was crazy. Just constant. Like these people know you. Like yeah. these are half the people we went to high school with and they're all just banana. I go, yeah, it's crazy. You get on that little screen and people go nuts for it. When you were at the Golden Globes, did you feel like I belong here? I'll be here one day on my own Absolutely ride? not. I knew that it would be great if that would happen, but I certainly had no sense of anything that was inevitable. It was like, be cool one day to sit in that table, not to mention win two of them and all the other attendant weirdness. I was just there again this last go-round because I got nominated for Fargo, and yeah. it was like, whoa, fuck, I forgot about this. Like, this is so crazy. 
and I was sitting at a table with Todd Glass and Jim Gaffigan and Sudeikis and some of the Ted Lasso folks. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. I forgot. Yeah, you rediscover it. It's so compartmentalized and it's such a heightened experience that it just kind of lives in some bizarre space in your brain. Okay, I have done so much assuming about you over <laughs> the years without any real reason. But from the second I met you, I felt like, oh, I think- The first time or the second time? <laughs> well, <laughs> according to you, the second time, according to me, the first time. There's been so many things I've just kind of maybe projected onto you. But as I was learning about you as a human, your story leading up to all this, some of them were falling into place nicely. Like, oh, I think my hunch was a little bit correct. The overarching thing, I think, that I've always felt from you in our minimal interactions is I think we have a similar attachment to masculinity based on where we grew up. And I think not having a dad around in those formative years. Now, I didn't know that there wasn't a dad around in the formative years. There was one. Well, it depends on how you define formative. I guess you're living with your mom just like I was. Like my parents got divorced at three years at two. There's not a man in my house pat me on the back as I go to school For or sure. coming home from school and saying, that oh, I tell him, oh, this guy pushed me. Did your mom date guys while you were? Horrendous. One was an ex-baseball player. The other was a 6'3 triathlete. They were all alpha. They were fucking abusive and terrible. And I hate men and I hate male energy and I'm going to fight everyone and I won't be dominated. And, you know, yeah, so much fucking baggage. And then also trying to define myself For as sure. a male among boys and looking to them and just doing whatever they said worked. And I don't know why, but I think from the second I have met you, and that's unfair to have projected that much onto you, but I just feel like we shared this similar thing. And then really quick, just to fast forward, to find out that we both were here eating shit for so long, yeah. I also think cemented me in some weird way that I'm still recovering. <laughs> I mean, it is weird. And part of it is... There was just a funny sketch from that Jacob Elordi kid on SNL. He did a sketch where he was coming back to talk to an acting class. And they're like, so what do you do about auditions? And what's it like? He's like, what's an audition? Like, well, I just landed in L.A. and <laughs> Selena Gomez saw me and wanted me to put in her video. You keep saying these words. I just don't know what they mean. So I'm sorry. <laughs> right. And it's funny because, yeah, sure, there is a version of that. And I remember there's so many audition stories, obviously. But one in particular was for a show... I think it was called like Rain, R-E-I-G-N. And it was on Fox, I want to say, and it was a little bit like swords and swashbuckling. And I'm like, my God, this is so nuts. And I went way far down the line. Like, I might be the star of Rain. Yeah. This is so cool. Let's go. <laughs> and it turned out a very unknown young up-and-coming actor named Heath Ledger got it. Oh, my God. And he was right off the boat from Australia. He was super young and handsome. But he got it. Whatever. Good for him. And that was one of those crazy things. But so many times passing through other people's orbits like you said you kind of go oh yeah he probably should have gotten that part it turns out he was pretty fucking good yeah it turns he out he was kind of a once in a generation yeah yeah and we all know the end of that story which is sad and awful in its own way but it was crazy and going through all of that and i got so close the people that i lost out to john favreau got a job which one not armageddon the other one deep impact, deep impact. Deep impact. and i still to this day look at him and go you know, you beat me out for an acting role. And he's yes. like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and even with Mad Men, it took forever for them to give me the part. Nobody yes. wanted it except for one guy and me. Learning that today, I was wondering, do you think you benefited from the fact that you really didn't believe you had a shot? You're like, this is definitely going to go to a known name. And do you think that ended up being helpful? I can't say that it was a better experience or worse other than I made it here somehow. So did you. Eventually, we got picked. Yeah. And thank God, because I knew it for a fact that I did not want to be a 40-year-old 
at that point, I didn't want to be a 30-year-old. That was my cutoff. I was yeah. like, five years is enough time to figure out the marketplace. I don't want to be in my 30s waiting tables, bartending, which I was doing up until I was 29, basically. I got here in 95. I was here for nine years and didn't get my first role until I was 28 turning 29, like right before my 29th birthday. And similarly, I went to a good college. I did great at that college. People I knew were buying speedboats and cabins and shit. And I was like, when do we throw in the towel? Yeah. Like, when do we stop being delusional? When has the market spoken? Yes, when are you gonna accept reality as it is <laughs> presenting itself to you? And I found that incredibly demoralizing and hard. It's an eternity because again, think of the fraction of your life. Sure, five years might not sound like a lot now, but at 25, that's a fifth of your life exactly. that you've experienced being an existence. abject failure. I dealt with that by being hammered all the time and trying to get approval from ladies as much as humanly possible. Those are two Go tried to. and true, <laughs> and they work so they well. They work for a while. They really work for a while. Well, part of it, I think, too, was, and I tell this to any of the kids that come out, because I'm sort of de facto, especially from my high school, but also from college. Anybody that comes out here, I generally get an email or something. Hey, can you talk to this kid or sit down with this guy or girl or whatever and tell them the ropes? And I'm always like, there's no ropes. You know, it's just like, come out and good luck. I tell people to buy a dependable car. <laughs> Literally, yeah, buy get a, a car that works <laughs> and get a job. Those two things. And this is all to say that, for me, bartending and working in restaurants, you're surrounded by fellow travelers. Everybody's kind of got an audition or a music gig or an improv show or something. And so you're at least surrounded by people that are trying to do it and who get it a little bit. Then there's always the older guy. You know, it's like party down. Look at party down and you go, uh, yeah, there but for the grace of God. Every restaurant has the kind of Ken Marino guy yes. in that show who's been at it for too long, dyeing the hair and anything to still hold on to that youth that is gone. Did it nurture in you any bad, like I can give you an example of this terrible quality I developed, which is I was so jealous of everybody that was making it that I became like an uber critic of everyone. I was the worst guy. If you were hammered with me, you started talking about like these people that ultimately I idolized. For sure. Vince Vaughn, this guy, you know this about shit I don't even know. Spreading rumors about this guy because I'm Obviously so all that <laughs> comes from being jealous and fear of your own thing. That's why the booze is a part of it. You don't know what you want until you see someone else get it and then you go, I want that. And then if you happen to get it, you're like, I didn't really want this at all. I wanted my version of this and it's not directly defined by anybody other than me. So yes, of course, my entree into this world was Paul Rudd. And I knew him from back in the Midwest. He went to KU and my girlfriend's older brother was his classmate at KU in 1988. Right when I got out here, 94, 95, around then, he was just going off to do Romeo and Juliet or something. He had already clueless and he had already done the whole thing. We're like, whoa, this guy's made it, man. Yes. I wasn't jealous of him because he was a friend and it was like, yeah, we're rooting for him. But it was kind of like, what's the secret sauce? Also a bad comp. Yes. Because let's also acknowledge Paul Rudd is a unicorn. He is an eternally youthful human that hasn't aged in 40 years. Yep. And I came out here and looked like I was 35 when I was 23. <laughs> right, right, right. So I came out here and it was like, Dawson's Creek. They're like, you could play the dad. I'm like, I'm 26 years old. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm auditioning next to Harry Hamlin. I'm like, what? <laughs> right. How is this working? Yeah, it was really cool when you could buy beer at 18, but it got real uncool yeah, probably as soon as you got to Hollywood. But then your look catches up to your age and somehow it works. Well, you kind of grow into yourself in that a way really too. Like, I think I was a late bloomer more than I wanted well, to admit. For sure. When you talk about growing up and you're trying to define yourself 
against other people and you're not really focusing on defining yourself in regards to yourself. Yeah, I want to be Nick Cage in Valley Girl. For sure. I want to be Harrison Ford. I want to be Han Solo. I want to be Don Johnson in Miami Vice. Those are the ones that I wanted to do. Oh, DJing. That's a good pick. Come on, man. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. <laughs> Damn right you can. You neglect defining yourself in your own terms, and it takes a minute. And part of it is getting the shit kicked out of you. Going in and going, man, why didn't I get that part? Yeah, I can sit at the bar and say, oh, this guy did that or this guy did that, but what really was it? I know, I know. It's hard. Did you do everything you could or were you as prepared as you could be were you funny in a way that was relatable or were you just kind of blowing it off because you didn't really think you were going to do it or were you doing and you self-sabotage exactly or what this actor who you think you best resemble kind of doing can, an impression kinda, of. yes <laughs> a thousand percent and it takes a minute to go like i owe myself the freedom to go i'm gonna do this if they don't like it cool okay back to st louis though did your mom have shitty boyfriends i don't think so so my parents got divorced when I was two. My mom died when I was 10. So I had a pretty limited kid version of what my mom's life was. She would go out. Maybe it was a date. Maybe it was a work thing. I don't know. Like I was seven or eight. I'm sure I was getting a very filtered version of what was going on. But I remember a couple guys coming around. They were kind of the 70s. Camaro you know, a lot of dudes. facial hair. Not Camaro types, but a little more of the like, hey, buddy, all right. I'm Elliot Gould somehow. <laughs> okay. You know, they're like, okay. You. Some corduroy. Yeah. A lot of elbow patches. Because <laughs> sure, my sure. mom was a secretary. That's how she met my dad. At the family trucking company? No. My mom was a secretary at a radio station, KWK, and her boss was my dad's friend and ended up being my dad's best man at their wedding. Okay. So it was my dad's second wedding. His first wife died suddenly as oh well. She had a brain aneurysm and dropped dead, leaving two kids behind my two half-sisters. My dad dealt with a lot of heavy shit. I imagine he's pretty young to have been a back then a widow and then a divorcee. So he was born thirty three, so he would have got married in his late thirties to my mom, and she was in her mid twenties. Okay, having this very brief window of that life, and then moving in with my dad after my mom died, and my dad at that point was living with my grandmother, so we had three generations under one roof, which was challenging. Really quick. I can't imagine anything as destabilizing as losing your mom. Right. Especially when they're divorced. So right. Was, so it's, it's losing not like there's everything. A, exactly. It's like a total erasing of your known existence. In addition to that, you then moved to another town to join grandma and dad, right? It was still St. Louis. It was just another part of town. But I'm talking a new school, right? For sure. New school at 10, that could be its own traumatic. Well, and not for nothing. I was moving from, people from St. Louis would know this, but there's a version of this in every town. So I was moving from the very white suburban part of town that my mom was living in to the very black urban part that my father's mother's house was in because it used to be in a very fancy neighborhood. Had white flight. White flight in the 60s. Kind of a Detroit-y For scenario. sure, in yeah. fact, looks so much. When I finally shot a movie in Detroit in 2020, I was like, oh my God, this oh, could be my neighborhood. Same, when I went to St. Louis, I was like, did I just drive eight hours and I'm somehow <laughs> still in Detroit? And super duper similar in their aspect of the kind of working class and the segregation and the crazy racism. So I went to basically an all-black school How did for that work? fifth and sixth grade. It was a gear shift for sure. I remember going to my first dance, my fifth grade dance, and the music was all R&B and George Clinton. I mean, I did not like it. I just didn't know it. So everybody was speaking a different language, especially in retrospect. It was a tremendous lesson of there are different perspectives in the world. I tell this story often, but I was walking home to my neighborhood with a friend of mine, little black kid, we're 10, 11, and the cop stopped us. Where are you guys going? So I'm going home. 
He goes, what's going on? I go, I'm walking home from school. <laughs> right. And he goes, all right, well, you guys get going. You know, make sure that you hadn't been taken hostage. <laughs> and my friend goes, you talk to the police like that? Yeah. And I go, like what? What do you mean? And again, two completely different perspectives on how life works. And at the time, I was like, that's weird. Why wouldn't you talk to anybody like that? The guy was I just kind of being him. aggressive and yeah. shitty. Can I tell you, that was kind of my breakthrough in accepting this notion of white privilege. Is like, well, I grew up with a single mother, and we were on welfare, and there was violence and addiction, so how privileged am I? But then I think about... 10 years as a raging addict. I interacted with cops all the time. They never searched me. I wasn't polite at times. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'd be in prison. With the addiction I had, I'd be in prison. Oh, that was the for break. sure. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah, easy peasy? So easy. Well, the best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences. I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I had therapy this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for having you were some. not to out you. You were a little grumpy going in. I was. I was. I was to be Rob and I received some texts. Yeah, I was morning. locked out of my therapy setting, which is this attic. <laughs> But then you felt much better after. I felt much better. And I even made some apologies. Um, talking things out can be so helpful. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. Check out BetterHelp if you've been thinking of trying therapy. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for any reason for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DAX. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson Pack's playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for Ooh, it. Ooh, that's exciting. If you want to be sure to see your favorite artist, you need to jump on it right away. I've already DM'd him saying, yes, I got to be in that front row. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Got your eye on a rock star candidate? ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. 
Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Getting pulled over when you're half in the bag and the cop going, all right, Matt wrote it into Mad Men. My 11th birthday, my first one without my mom, my dad took me out. My dad struggled with booze a lot. Didn't really drink for the time I knew him, but anybody that knew him in the old days was like, oh yeah. He was also 6'2", about 300 pounds, so it took a lot. By the time I lived with him, he was diabetic, he had kind of quit booze, but this one night he took me out and got wasted. You don't have any where to put that as a kid. You just think, oh, they're being funny. Yeah. So he drove home. He gets the car, which was a 1976 Lincoln Town car, oh, massive 25-foot yeah. gunmetal 7,000-pound car. Yeah, seven miles <laughs> to the gallon. Driving this thing with one finger, with a cocktail in his hand, with the window down, smoking a cigarette. Goddamn, let's I'm go. Like, are you kidding me? And I didn't think anything weird about it until before he was going to turn into our neighborhood, he finished the drink and threw the glass out the window. <laughs> sure. Because littering back then wasn't even a thing. You're contributing to <laughs> community. I literally had no concept of it. We got home fine. But then I look back on it and go like, what the fuck? Yeah. Wow. And then we wrote it into Mad Men. How were you doing in that environment as far as like what kind of kid were you prior to going to John Burroughs because that's got to be a much different experience than where you landed I look back at my life as essentially being an only child and I remember in a pre-internet era almost pre-video game era I mean I had an Atari but not till later in life the way to entertain yourself was reading so I had comic books I had National Geographics I had so much written word and I would just read stories my grandmother's house had a million books in it and a million National Geographics. Same with my grandparents. The grandparents in the 70s loved National Geographic. And Reader's Digest. In 60 minutes. Yeah, it was bananas. You could grab a Reader's Digest and like, oh, I'll find some fun story in this. That's what I did. It was fun. I played a ton of sports. It was kind of free-range kid back then. You did then. football, baseball, and swimming in high school? Yeah, in high school, but before that. So I would come home, latchkey kid. My mom was around. I would go open the thing. My babysitter was an eighth grade boy. <laughs> oh, geez, this is so not a 13, 14-year-old kid who smoked weed and was like, you're good, right? Bye. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, okay. And it was just, maybe you had this, but like the roving group of kids. So whatever season it was, was the sport you played. Right. So if it was fall, it was like football. If it was springtime, it was baseball. Did your legs freeze over? Did you play hockey at all? No, I never played hockey. I'm a huge fan, but it was too expensive. Yeah, rich kids played because you needed ice time. You needed all the stuff, all yeah. the gear, which I never had. We yeah. played frozen driveway hockey. I lived on a lake, so I got to play on a lake for free. But yeah, all the gear, the CCMs and the Bowers, all this shit. And you look at that stuff and you go, that was crazy expensive. Yes, yes. And my best friend was the oldest of four, well, two of my best friends were all brothers. There was gear everywhere, so you could kind of find something that sort of fit. You could work it out, but I just never learned how to skate. That's a big part of it. We all know how to run. We all know how to throw and catch, kind of. Skating is a whole different thing. The barrier to entry is pretty high. So anyways, we just played. That was it. And came back when the lights went on. My mom would get home from work at 5.30 and then come home. We have dinner and watch TV and go to sleep and 
rinse, repeat. So when I moved in with my dad, the school situation was different. I had no friends. Were you feeling lonely and lost? Yes and yes. Did you develop any OCD stuff at that time? No, but I was in the gifted program, so I had a lot of intellectual things feeding me. And part of it was really just navigating losing my mom. Were you sharing any of that with no, your dad or sir, friends? That was See, this is the thing I'm talking about being locked into the masculinity. Like, there was all this chaos happening in my house, but it felt so weak to bring that up. There was just no avenue down which you could drive that that was considered a thing. Therapy? What the hell was that? I literally was given a book the day my mom died that said what to do when a parent dies. <laughs> Great. 180 pages from now, you're going to be all fixed. Sure, it was written with the best of intentions, but there was no connective follow -up. Like nowadays, you'd be in therapy. This is how it works, and it doesn't mean your mom didn't love you. The abandonment is not a thing. You can talk it out and unravel that knot that happens. I'm still working on that. I'm sure. Well, think about this. How many kids think they're responsible for their parents' divorce? I have to imagine in some bizarre 10-year-old mind, there's moments you think somehow you have played a role in this. I must have done something wrong. It's a funny thing. The lessons are myriad. But the real good lesson is that the world doesn't really care about you. It's not your fault. You know, I remember seeing Goodwill Hunting and when Matt Damon breaks down and Robert Favorite Williams is saying, it's, 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 so it's, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not. You didn't do anything. You're a little kid. It happened to you. So there's a big lesson in learning that and accepting that. By the way, when you saw that movie, did you find that that scene was hitting you in a kind of I unexpected was a mess. Fox? Yeah, mm. a okay. mess yeah. in the movie theater at the Beverly Center. I was literally like heaving, sobbing, yeah. and the girl I was with was like, "Are you okay?" It's <laughs> like clearly not. We're gonna have to call this one early because I'm gonna have to go home and think about stuff. I got to journal a little oh bit tonight. I think. How did she die? It's really funny. I just read a thing on the internet of a woman who was diagnosed with chit colon cancer is the short answer and uh read this story of this 35 my mom was 35 when she died so she had it probably when she was in her early 30s it was not discovered until it was way too late because you don't get a colonoscopy yeah. until you're 40 or 50 i got mine at 40 because i have history that's the first time because one of my follow-up questions is my uncle and cousin both same thing so i started getting colonoscopies at like 17. Oh, wow. So I was curious, have you been getting them like me? Well, I'm glad I got mine at 40 because there was Polyps. stuff in there that yeah. they then removed. And it was like, okay, good. And I get them every two years or three years. I don't know. The pandemic kind of flipped the script a little bit. But I'm due for one this year. I know that. We should go together. You know who goes together? Who? Oh. Lauren, Steve, and Marty Short. They all go and get their no. colonoscopies oh, together. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's hilarious. Well, we should form one. Maybe like me, you, and Kimmel. I'm down. The day before is the worst. The procedure The during lovely. is amazing. Yeah, Versace. 90 minutes of sleep you'll ever have. Or said, followed by propofol. Propofol, Let's go. Me, baby. And then you wake up and you fart for three hours. Yes, you're like, this exactly. is so fun. Can I tell you, my mother joined me at one of my ones here in LA because I needed someone to drive me. I, yeah, same thing. I wake up and the nurse rolls me on my side. She goes, you're going to feel the need to fart. And I go, no, I don't have to fart. And as I'm saying, I don't need to fart. A good 40 second, longest of my life fart. My mother is just one sheet away sitting on a bed waiting for me. I hear her start laughing. <laughs> laughing uncontrollably and then my farts start react because now I'm <laughs> laughing 
and my mother urinated on the fucking bed. She was what a mess the shepherds Jesus. were coming yeah. in there. We wow. fucked up the whole. You hit the whole the trifecta. <laughs> yeah. well, but, but sorry, you the read 30, the story. Yeah, I read back to the story. Oh, the story. There was a story about a woman who, same thing, had aggressive colon cancer and it metastasized and she got exactly the thing that my mom, my mom got a big chunk of her colon removed. She had a colostomy, the whole thing. And by the time they caught it, though, it had gone to her liver and her stomach and everything. And the doctors were like, that's it. Did she warn you? No. I was a kid. I literally started seeing all of the adults in my life break down. Mm, that's like my scary. grandfather, who is like a Navy man, veteran, greatest guy in the world, weeping. And I was like, well, this can't be good. Yeah. yeah. It's probably bad. And then at a certain point, they were like, you need to go in and say goodbye to your mom. And they pushed me into the room, and she looked like a skeleton, and it was clearly dying. Oof. And I was like, uh, what? Yeah. What do I do? Yeah, what are you supposed to she say? Goes, she come up on the bed, and she hugged me. I mean, she probably weighed under 100 pounds. Mm. Yeah. And lost all her hair and everything, chemo and everything. I was just like, I so don't. So scary for a terrifying. kid. Terrifying. Yeah. Like, it's like, go I say goodbye to your mom. Like, well, okay, bye. Yeah. I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, no, you won't. Oh, that goodbye. They think you'll be sad, but really you're just scared. Scared. Terrified. Again, this is the 70s, man, or 80s. No one had the vocabulary to even talk about it. The idea of talking about it was like, what's that going to do? Yeah, the idea of even helping a child through it, they don't even know how to help themselves through it yet. There's no tools no in existence. Concept. In retrospect, of course, you think, oh, man, I should have done this or that or really taken it in. But you don't. You're just a scared little kid. And you go, okay, bye. Yeah. And then what cry does or mean? don't, no, what don't is... cry. Did I not cry enough? I don't know. Yeah. All of it's difficult. All of it's challenging, especially when you don't have the vocabulary to even manage getting through it, much less understanding that if you don't deal with this stuff, it's going to really pay well, dividends down the I line. I was going to ask, did you have a period of time where you had convinced yourself you were over all that and it wasn't affecting you? What I did really well is bury that motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And keep it moving. Yeah. And that's what it was pretty much for me for like, the late 80s into the 90s. In high school, it was I was distracted with sports and girls and school, and all I wanted to do was achieve, and that was fine. That was a really good distraction. Then as soon as I got in college, when I, mean, I didn't have the framework or the schedule, it was like, look out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's yeah. where the misbehavior Well, the fucking do. five years of floundering and losing faith in everything. So that was, I knew I was like, this is going to be rough, but then keeping it moving, keep it moving, get the next thing. It's almost the athlete thing. It's like kind if you played of. football and you have this play through the pain, ignore that, let's go, deal with that later. Yeah. You're also pursuing things that reinforce that approach. And there's no goal line for acting, right? It's like, I just need to get an audition. Okay, then the goalposts move. Well, I just need to get this. I just need to get that. I just need to get that. I want that. a series. Now I need a movie. Now I'm on a movie. Now I need to direct it. Anything. So finally, when you kind of sit down and you rest, which I did probably third year of Mad Men, you go, oh man, where am I? I've been running for so long. Where am I? Then you understand it's a deeper thing. And that's when you start talking to people that have the vocabulary to manage that. Do you have the same gratitude I have where it's like, I'm so glad I was given the cash and prizes so that I could find out it was like an internal job that had nothing to do with the cash. Because if I had not ever been given them, I would have died believing those were still going to fix it. Of course. Then you go, 
oh, that's all dumb. <laughs> that's I all know. super dumb. Was, I'm so mad, dude. Like, wait a minute. The cab driver knew who I was. Why hasn't that fixed anything? <laughs> hey, right. This was my dream. It's impossible to say it if you've never been through it. I know. You can't yeah. bestow it onto friends. No one can understand it without going through it. That's the gratitude part, right? You yeah. go, thank God. I checked that box and I had that experience. Therefore, I know that it's ultimately meaningless. And just another thing. Do you have the thing? I mean, you have a lot of stuff. I have a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's hard not to collect shiny things. <laughs> but I go through and I give it all away. I do a lot of that. To know me is to have gotten many free shoes and pants and everything. <laughs> do you else. have friends that are your same shoe size? Because I don't. Well, I have friends who have made themselves Fair my enough. same <laughs> shoe yeah. size. Uh, that'll work. <laughs> I have friends that used to be a 10 that are now a 12. <laughs> I had the kind of sad thought on your behalf because your father then dies when you're 20. You're an orphan at 20. And I wonder, and again, this will potentially be something I will try to tell you that you too won't be able to internalize as we just talked about. But have you felt that there was a certain emptiness to your successes? Because you can't, you, you can't share it. Right. The people that you most want to say, hey, look at me, I did it, are not there to do that for and I could feel like maybe your success would feel incomplete there's certainly a version of that yes where you go man wouldn't it be nice if I wish I could show them look what I did I had a similar experience when I got married I got married this summer first time I've ever been married and it was congratulations like thank you tremendous day beautiful ceremony took place at the last scene of mad where Man. I met my wife I did not know she would be my wife then but I just remember being literally arrested by her presence and going whoa and then life happened over the course of nine years and then we got married so my sisters were there my aunts were there but my mom and dad weren't I had this sort of vicarious thrill that my sisters and my aunts were kind of like really felling and feeling this whole thing. And I really felt it, that they weren't there, but they were there in the space. So yes, again, it would have been nice, but obviously that's what happens with life. You know, you don't get to pick. Yeah. Could you feel the emptiness though? Could you feel like as things were getting so incredibly good for you and you're winning Emmys and you're getting nominated and you're on the very best show that's maybe ever been on TV other than Sopranos, are you feeling like, where is that accompanying sensation? Did you have a hard time internalizing it or were you able to? I think it was hard. I know it was hard. Part of it is that there's no playbook. That is a crazy ride and you're going, oh my God, I'm hosting SNL and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And these are all kick-ass things. But they're coming very they come fast so too. fast. Like you get the show, the show's a hit, then the fire hose goes on. Someone turns the huge switch on and on the wall. And you can't drink from it. You're fighting it off in a lot of ways. So it takes a level of emotional maturity that I did not have. I think I might have now because I'm much more aware of the ephemeralness of it. Not that you need my validation, but the being in front of me right now feels very different than the being I met 10, 12 years ago. I would hope so. The constriction maybe that I felt seems to be dissipated. Before. For sure. Do you feel that in your body? 100%. Unraveled in the best possible way and comfortable. Loose. I had this experience even in front of the camera when I'm doing my job. I'm like, good. Well, okay. I'm like, I'm fine. Whatever this is, is going to be good. And if we don't get it, we'll get it on take two. And if we don't get it on take two, we'll get it on take three. Whatever the fuck. Right. I was talking with Billy Crudup about that on Morning Show. And I was like, have you hit that wall yet? Because it's a good wall. When you go, oh, right. I'm good at this. 
Yes, I belong here. I don't have to fucking stranglehold this anymore. No, I don't have to death grip this thing. Yeah, it's so present in Roy Tillman. I have to say, I've seen you in a lot of things. I've loved you in a lot of things. This, to me, I was like, oh, goddamn, John. I didn't know you could be this sensational. It's very evident in Fargo. I was gobsmacked with how good you are. It's a very different version that I think people haven't seen me do that. I haven't. You're a great motherfucker. Part of what I got to do every day was really make sure that I remembered that this guy loves being this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's a good like mantra. Like such a fan of himself. Yeah, in a sea of alphas, Whereas he's on top. Don Draper loved being Don Draper, but at the core of him, he was Dick Whitman, and so there was a real bifurcated life. Impostery. Imposter stuff. Roy is Roy, man, and he loves it. Yeah, you're so right. When he gets to do a speech, it's like you can tell he's nearly jacking off while he's hearing himself <laughs> talk. If, if not actually <laughs> ejaculating. <laughs> and part of it was working with that tremendous cast. And part of it was really what Noah Hawley has done with all five seasons of that show. And each one of them are tremendous and each one of them are radically different. Is really lean into the cinematicness that the Coen brothers were always able to find, not just in Fargo and all their movies. And there's little Easter eggs all over that show that are not just from Fargo, but hints into the Coen. The Coen canon. Yeah. And so it's fun to be able to play with that too. If Noah called me to be in that world, I would feel fucking lucky. I'd be like, I cannot believe I get to enter something I have loved for so long. I got to meet Noah. how you Noah. feel coming on the show. It's tremendous. It's yeah. the same thing. <laughs> finally exactly the same thing. <laughs> I got to meet Noah. We were at the CAA holiday party or one of the things, and it's a dog show. I mean, it's just a million people there. It's way too crowded. They always put it in a small place so it makes it feel more crowded and you can't hear it's too loud and i was sitting at the bar waiting to get a drink or something and i turned to my right and it's noah hall and he just won the golden globe for fargo maybe it's the emmy and i go hey man i've been wanting to meet you i'm a big fan of your work and he goes i'm a big fan of your work and i go hey cool maybe we'll work together someday he goes, maybe we will well, let's go outside and we'll have a drink i go great so we talked for like 20 minutes at this party. And then I thought, okay, cool. I got to meet that guy. He seems yeah. like a really cool guy. Were you like us, thunderstruck by his intelligence? Pretty much. He's smart and he's creative and he's funny and interesting. And I thought that the first season outperformed even my expectations of it. I'm like, there's no way this is going to be good. And it was And it was better than good. Yeah. And then the second season is a completely different show and equally, equally. interesting and cool. And so- when we got down to the fourth season with Rock and how they completely reinvented it, and then our season, I'm like, my God, he's using split screens and crossfades and all of these like old Hollywood techniques that are so perfectly weird for this show. Yeah. I thought it was really cool, and I was like, what a brave choice to lean into that and really think, okay, this is kind of an old-timey thing, but it's somehow it's going to work. And that's kind of what the Coens do, too, is irises and all these weird old Hollywood techniques and you go, oh, yeah, it's just storytelling. And the images that we get to play with when you shoot up in Calgary, these massive wide shots and these tight close-ups of walking over crunchy snow and all the stuff that's just so fun. I recommend this all the time, but if you can get your hands on the DVD of Miller's Crossing, Barry Sonnenfeld is on there as an extra explaining 
photographing a movie, you do not need to go to school. He gives you a master class yeah. in well, cinematography. An incredible guy. I've known him for a long time. Oh, you have? Yeah, um, he's a really cool guy, an amazing director of photography, but yeah. also a very good director, and he's taken all the things. He would say this. I'm not talking out of school. He started in porn. Oh, oh wonderful. Wow. As a young He mastered the close-up, I'm sure. He's got some stories, and you go, okay, well, there's only so much you can do when you're telling that story. You guys must have bonded over that because you were a set decorator in ah, softcore exactly. porn. Exactly. Oh, remember, wow. I remember. We need to touch on, on that <laughs> We need to touch and caress that. <laughs> that was really when I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Yeah. Were you yeah, 29? Kind of a, we would call that a bottom. Seven or 20, yeah. <laughs> and I remember getting up at seven o'clock in the morning and walking down to the corner and my friend who was in Silver Lake, he was like an electrician on those and he goes, I'll drive you because I didn't have a car. I didn't have a car. Uh, and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. I'm set dressing. To this day, could barely kind of tell you what my job was meant to be. More silk flowing off of yeah, walls. Yeah. You know, I was literally more... like, if they're looking at where the ashtray is, I'm pretty sure you guys are doing something wrong. Something's up. It's not on me. It's Fine. You taught before you came out yes. here then. So that would be extra hard if you left a job that I assume was fulfilling and then you're doing that. Well, here's what I knew because they asked if I wanted to come back to teach again. And I was 24 years old and I was like, I do because I did really enjoy it. But I knew that I could see how this was going to go. And I was like, I'm going to come back for one more year. And then I'm going to do that for one more year 30 times in a row. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to retire in St. Louis. And I'm going to have a perfectly nice life. And I'm going to have the two saddest words in the English language. What if? So I said I would love to come back. But I think... I just want to try. And that was part of also why I said, if this isn't happening by 30, then I do have a backup plan. Yeah. And that was nice. I could maybe go back and still do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, back to the Noah Hawley thing. You start a pattern that I admire about you, which is you're coming off Mad Men. Clearly, I didn't know that you had met Noah at the CA party, but you do a small thing on Legion. You've done this a lot. I imagine the stress post Mad Men had to be intense. Not really. It wasn't. You weren't afraid. Part of it was I said, okay, I did that. And that was great. And if I don't do anything else, you I had got that, that attitude. That's healthy. I really did. I just want to point out a lot of people, as the lead of an incredibly successful show, would probably be unwilling to go do a three episode arc on 30 Rock or a three episode arc on Legion. The way I looked at it was that it was all work. And I love my job. And I get to work with this crazy talented group of people. And then I'll do a uncredited part in Bridesmaids. Like, of course I want to work with Kristen Wiig and Maya and Paul Feig. But to me, what it said is you were humble enough to enter into these worlds that you were interested in in a way that was realistic. What was clear to me is you really liked comedy. Yeah. And you had just done Mad Men. And it was like, you want to play now. But you were humble enough and realistic to go, yeah, and the way I'm going to be able to do that initially is to go do this arc here and prove I've got chops and go here. And I think a lot of people would have lacked that humility. I definitely didn't want to be like, now I want to do a Will Ferrell movie and I want to be Will Two-hander Ferrell. Two-hander with Will Ferrell. Yeah. But a lot of dudes would have done that. The hard pass. That's why I wanted to be in Step Brothers. I was like, this is the perfect Wait, that was post-Mad Men? It was during Mad Men. During Mad Men. I think. But even so, you know, you go, what's going to be fun? 
what am I going to take away and what am I going to enjoy about this process? And that was doing the thing on Legion, which was a voiceover role because I had been doing voiceovers for some time. And Noah was like, would you consider doing this? I'm like, absolutely. I love the show. It's wildly ambitious and creative. So I would love to be connected to it in some way. You do Lucy in the Sky, is that next yep, with him? which was a script that he wasn't attached to. And I'd read and I was like, this is pretty good. It was meant to be Reese Witherspoon. And she fell out for various reasons. And then Noah came on and was like, I'm doing a page one rewrite. And you're like, okay. Uh-huh. And it was the only time before or since that a page one rewrite made the movie a million times better. I was like, wow, this is now very cool. Because he's smart and he brought a philosophical element into it. It wasn't just this sort of salacious story. I'm very proud of it. And I got to work with Natalie, who's amazing. And everybody on that, Ellen Burstyn again. So you go, all right, I'm in. Jump in with both feet and let's see what happens. And that was an exciting thing. I go, man, look what he did. He's got all these crazy camera moves and beautiful techniques to telling the story. And I got to be an astronaut. I was like, this is pretty fun. So do you feel like you would have been able to be as good as you were in Fargo? I guess, did it help enormously that you and Noah already had a comfort level? There was none of that kind of first day feeling each other out stuff. Like you entered it with a pre-existing relationship. That was helpful. There's always that first day of school thing where you're just like, I'm doing everything wrong. Part of it was feeling comfortable, going like, oh, I'm free to fail. And you can tell me, do less of that, do more of this. Because if I was taking that big of a swing, it'd be very helpful to me that the director who brought me in, I already knew they thought I was good. That insecurity wouldn't swell up of like, fuck. I'm going to get fired. Somebody's going to see dailies and go, this isn't working. We need to cast somebody else. Have you been fired? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. From a table read. What did you get fired from? Ooh, table read firing. That's I've never had that, but boy, that's always been in the back of my mind. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even think that was an option. Oh, it it so is. And people don't get that, especially with three camera stuff when you have to- That's when I got fired from. I did Will and Grace. They Uh, virtually begged me to come on and I couldn't do it schedule-wise. And finally, I'm like, yes, I love Sean Hayes. I'm coming to do it. I did table read and then I got a call like two days later from my agent. Yeah. And they were telling me all these really positive things. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, why are they calling me to be so positive? I'm like, I didn't get fired from that table, did I? Yes, you did, but the good news is they're still going to pay you. (laughs) That's not good news. I don't need the money. I want to be liked. My wife's rich. I don't need to do this. (laughs) I got fired from a pilot that they shot, and then they fired the female lead, who I was the love interest of. And they were like, but we're not firing you. We want to keep you. I'm like, how? If you fire her, then I have no reason for being. And Yeah, yeah, but we're going to blah, blah, blah. (laughs) They held me to the very last day of my eligibility. I had to turn down another pilot, all this other stuff. I missed three days of Adam Scott's wedding, all of this stuff. And they said, yeah, they're firing you. Like, oh. I had a feeling. And went to series. <laughs> oh. I told what show it was. What did you get fired from? Well, it ended up being called Breaking Related. <laughs> Related. Okay. Yeah. Well, I that's it was comforting. called Sisters when I, I did it. It was about three sisters, and they fired Laura San Giacomo, who was the oldest. Oh, boy. It's a brutal. It was so brutal because they forced called her every day of that oh. pilot. Shot 10 days. She got murdered on that pilot. Oh. And the thank you was also you're fired. Oh, oh man. This is a fucking beat. Rough. Sometimes. <laughs> Fucking Top Gun, dude. I can't believe you're in Top Gun. I have not been so horny for a movie in a decade. Well, I remember I saw when- it three times that I missed. I, I've told this story before, but I just remember them saying like, so there's an ask. They want you to do the new Top Gun. I was like, so you said yes, right? They're like, well, I go, no, 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 no. <laughs> what part of yes is not translate? Like, well, the money's not, I go, it doesn't matter take whatever offer is offered and say thank you and i'll be there tan and ready to go (laughs) 
And they're like, but it's not. I go, try to follow me here. If you fuck this up, you're fired. I don't know what else to say. All you have to know is that I saw that movie a hundred times when I was 15 in the movies. I was in eighth grade. I couldn't drive yet, but man, as soon as that, you know, that Jerry Bruckheimer, Don Simpson thing came on the screen. And that chord that they play. Oh, yes. Cut to the aircraft carrier. <laughs> like, I'm in. Go, 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 smoke. I'm in. Oh, I don't need God. anything else. And the fact that this one was way better. By the way, I wouldn't have thought it's that. It's so much better. It's you so watch much the, better. You watch the original, and it's like, I there's know, a lot of stuff in my, there that you're my like. My nine-year-old fell in love with it, and then we went and watched the original. I was like, oh, my God. In my mind, it holds such a spot. But in objective reality, <laughs> the new one is so, so much, much better. better. And also, it took three years to do, because we had to hold it for the pandemic and all this other stuff. And there was a lot of reshoots. Boy, he talked about everything. a dude who stayed committed to his principles tc is talk about a unicorn there's not many if any like him yeah i just watched the new mission impossible and i was like are you kidding me the fucking jump jump off the thing like you're a motorcycle guy yes i am so you know the scary part isn't the jump it's the part about 30 seconds before the jump when you're like i better hit this thing perfectly in the right spot at the right everything or i'm dead and let's go beyond that that trailer played before a movie and my daughter said, would you do that jump? And I said, I would do that jump. But the difference between Tom Cruise and I is I would do it once. What makes Tom Cruise Tom Cruise is that he did that jump 10 fucking times. He watched playback. And he's like, I could have held onto the motorcycle a little longer. I'm going again. <laughs> That's where he's another Okay, let me get the motorcycle from the bottom of the crevasse. <laughs> yeah, they must How have many a semi. bikes do we have? <laughs> semi full of fucking dirt bikes. Because the jump was so well publicized. I knew that was coming. But better than the jump, if you ride... He's doing tons of riding, talking on a phone, and doing real jumps. That shit's actually more impressive. I've met Tom, as I'm sure you have, over the course of this life. And you look at him and you're like, man, you are just a movie star. Yeah. That's your job. Maybe the best there's ever been. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who are movie stars, but it's not their job. Right. This guy's job is eating, sleeping, and dreaming movie stuff. I heard someone tell a story where they were interviewing him and they asked him, Oh, that shot out of the airplane where you're hanging out of the airplane. Like, how did you think of that? And he goes, ah, I wanted to make that shot for 10 years. I came up with that idea. And then when it came time, I had the safety crew there. They said, you can't do that. I fired that safety crew and I brought in one that said I could. But like, yeah, that's him. He had been wanting to hang out of that airplane for 10 years. And by years. the way, you look at it and you go, that is bananas. That's a human being. Yes, hanging out of an actual flying airplane. The fact that he and Doug Lyman were going to go to space and make a movie. And most likely will. <laughs> I look at him and I go, all praise to you. I don't have what you have. And I don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I want it. Imagine doing I'm glad that. that you do it because I couldn't. <laughs> right. I watched, you know, obviously he's not flying an $80 million airplane that's the property of the Department of Defense. He's in it, but he's yeah. not flying. Even he admits that. <laughs> he's not taking off in a, a 14 times. He yeah. could, for sure. I guarantee you he could. He has the skills and the capability yeah. to do it. Yeah. But. It's an $80 million plane. The Department of Defense has rules. <laughs> yeah. But then you see when he comes off that aircraft carrier and the drop happens and his face is smushed back in his thing and you're like, oh shit, he's really in that thing. And I believe that he's flying that thing. Yeah. Yes. Did you see, I think it was like All American or something. He had a movie called Air oh, America. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't Air America. That yeah, was with a, Downey that's and a Mel Gibson. Gibson movie. American Made. American Made. Did you see that one? 
Cause no, he but is, he's definitely flying those planes. They're doing air to air, and he is flying the shit out of an airplane. A hundred percent, that's why he made that movie. A thousand percent. Uh-huh. By the way, I did the same thing with Chips. I'm like, I want to do cool stunts on a motorcycle. I want everyone to see. They didn't go see it, but I still got to tell yeah. this. But I was watching that airplane movie. Like, I know when he's going through so much right now. Yeah. And by the way, the greatest part of working with him is that he is like, and you're invited. Come on along. Whatever it is. Join my winning team. He's like Tom Brady. Exactly. And then when they decided to hold that movie, we all saw it in the summer of 2020. Oh, wow. So we all sat 15 seats away from each other with masks on, with hand sanitizer. Yeah. And when the movie ended, we were like, who do we tell? Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yes. We can't yes. really hug. We can't really high five, oh, yeah. but we're going to do it anyway. And then we'll spray ourselves with disinfectant. <laughs> yeah. Two full years later, that movie comes out. Yeah, and is and the biggest goddamn. But all yeah, thank the money. God he waited. Yes, I mean, he kind of saved the film business. Yeah. single handedly. One of the premieres was down in San Diego, and it was probably half either current or retired Navy. And that is the screening you want to see that movie at when mm. no one knows what this movie is. That place was raucous. Yeah, I'm surprised pistols weren't being fired. Like, it might as well have been, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> There were hats thrown. Yeah. It was insane. Oh, and it was like, awesome. I think. Yeah. This one might be good. Yeah, I saw it and I'm like, oh, this is never leaving the theater. It's just going to run and run and run. Yeah, fuck, what a movie. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by New Balance. Whether you're going for your first ever jog around the park getting ready for a marathon, or even picking up the pace on the last stretch before you get home, if you run, you're a runner. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com running to learn more. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Okay, when did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Well, let's just say I'm a weirdo and I want to be messy and see what you're up to, like who you're hanging with. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. I knew you did that. (laughs) No, I did not do that. I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends and then use that money any place Apple Pay is accepted. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Monica, please keep it in the chat. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, terms apply. Okay, last couple things. Back to Roy Tillman. It's a hard role. It's your id. It's like the shittiest, darkest part of yourself. I've learned not to ever judge a character that you're playing, right? So that's a big part of it. We all know that he's a bad person. But when you're playing him, you have to lean into the fact that he doesn't give a shit. And he thinks what he's doing is 100% It's righteous. He has the force, which a lot of true believers have, 
that he is led by a higher being and a deeper sense of commitment, and it is all right. What's great about playing somebody like that is that he's not. <laughs> and when the hammer comes down, it comes down hard. You're sovereign playing like a sovereign citizen, citizen you know, type and guy. All of those guys, it all breaks down. If you look at it too closely, you kind of go, you're neglecting this huge part of what your argument is suggesting. I think Noah did the most brilliant job of distilling it down to the most simple line of the whole show, which was said to you by Jennifer Jason Lee, which is like, so you want all of the freedom and none of the responsibility. So you want to be a baby. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's only one person who gets that privilege in life, a baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. you want to be a you baby. Wanna, you want to fight for the right scene? to be a baby. Do you remember shooting that scene? Yeah. Well, first of all, she's unbelievable. And second of all, there was just a lot of dynamics going on in that scene, which were great. Two people that are very comfortable in their own skin and certain of their righteousness. I do remember that day. It was a fun day. And Jennifer's wonderful. It's a tremendous gift to be opposite her. I've been a fan of her since Fast Times. Yeah, what's our favorite? They're drug addicts. They're undercover oh, uh, cops. Rush. Rush. Jason Patrick. Jason Patrick and Jennifer. God, Jason were they beautiful. In Twin movie. Jasons. Yes. <laughs> TJ. <laughs> How pumped were you when you saw that you were going to say the line, if you're so smart, why are you so dead? Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny thing, and Noah's talked about this, but there's a limit to what your intellectual superiority can achieve. We still live in the law of the jungle at times. Yes, yeah. and they go, yeah, I'm smarter than you. Well, great, good for you, because this is happening now. Yeah. Right. And now you're dead. Yeah. And you're going to be in a hole, and oh. no one's going to find you. Oh. And that's the end of that. Oh. It's scary. It's so scary. Yeah, because he's real. Yeah, I'm sure that you've run into a certain element of the world in your travels. Well, I've bought a lot of drugs and I've- There's a, a lot, lot of, of times fights. when you, when you're like in a situation and you go, this can go sideways really fast and I should probably not be here. I've only had a gun pulled on me a couple times and it's never not been, everything <laughs> immediately distills and whatever the brain chemical that is immediately flooding your brain for me is like, get the fuck out of here. Right. This is bad. <laughs> right. You do not want to be here. You get sober quick and you get out. <laughs> oh, a couple times. Guns stink, uh. man. Guns are rough. Guns yeah. are rough. They're terrifying. And I grew up around them. My uncles and cousins and everybody were all hunters. We had guns in the house. It was just a thing. And I was like, I don't like the potential of what this can yeah. do. We were shot at when we were 18. In my town, dude, we had some road things going on with it. Pulled over on the side of the road. We were walking up the porch and we're like, what's this guy doing in his trunk? He was about 200 feet away on the shoulder of the road. What's he getting out of his trunk? Is that a, and then fired yep. it at us and then fucking hit the brick. I got shot out of my car. I was driving, heard this pong. That was weird. Do we run over something? And I look over and there's a bullet hole. In my front left quarter panel. What year is this? 91, 92, St. Louis. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, that's a 22. That's what that was. Right. Six okay. inches to the right and six inches higher, and yeah. I got shot in the head. Yeah. Life is uh, <laughs> it's precarious. I'm jealous of several of your roles, if I'm being honest. There's several I would have liked to have played. But if I had to say the thing I'm most jealous of of your entire career is this 14-year gig with Mercedes. It's <laughs> a good one. You can hit the lotto in weird ways. That is tremendous because it dovetails nicely with two things that I love, money and cars. <laughs> yes, that's, that's my a, biggest... That's uh, a good part of the Venn diagram. 
<laughs> it would be one thing to have gotten that job as the spokesperson for Hyundai. Great gig. Yeah. Awesome. All respect to everyone reading for Hyundai. But I got one no. that I really, really like. And I get to drive those cars. And for the longest time, the tagline was the best or nothing. Yeah. Mm. And it's true. I know. You drive a Mercedes Benz and then you drive any other car and you go, that's not a Mercedes. Here's what happened to me. Most of the shit that's in this driveway is all from Detroit. I very much wanted a Cadillac CTSV wagon. I had one for like a year on loan from cool. GM. It's so cool. And it was really either between that and the E63 wagon that I ended up with. And I had driven the CTSV a bunch. And I love Cadillac. And I love General Motors. God and I love bless Detroit. a Cadillac. I love and a Cadillac. I got in that fucking Mercedes and I was like, oh, yeah. We're talking about two entirely different things. This has a seven-speed dual-clutch trans. The How interior. about when you close the door and it just goes... <laughs> It is, I hate to say it, man, they know what they're doing. Yep. Oh, my and God. And this is not taking anything away from Cadillac. It's a great car. When I first had the wherewithal to buy a car, and I was like, uh, maybe I want a Cadillac. They just released those CRV, CTVs, whatever they were, that new kind of angular thing. I was like, it's kind of cool looking. They're fast. They got a big V8 in them. I'm like, yeah, man, this feeling like I want to drive some Detroit steel. And it's a great car. Very reliable in a way that Fair and Love and War, American cars, were not for they had a rough fairly patch. long chunk. Yeah, 70 to about 92. Yeah, I drove one of those. I was like, damn, I like this. And then I was kind of like fiddling with the buttons and everything. I was like, yeah, it feels like a kind of a weird button. And, <laughs> and at the end of the day, I did not buy a Cadillac. Well, no, a Mercedes will make you like car. Like I could have given a fuck yeah. about cars. Yeah. I had a Prius C. Yep. And that was great for me. I would have been happy to Hell have driven yeah. that forever. Until. And then I was gifted a Mercedes. AMG. Oh. I got her a C. Now I'm like, oh, I get it. I get the As car Lisa Bonet thing. taught us, it's <gasps> a different world. It is. She was my <laughs> number oh, for sure. one. Stop. There's never been a more beautiful human no. on planet Earth. And then I actually ran into her in person and was like, oh, my God, this does not break wow. down. No, it delivers. How are you and Lenny Kravitz oh, and then your daughter is the Second coming of them. Yes. All the most beautiful I want to be there Christmas morning. <laughs> Yeah, we were one time at a party. She was there. I just told her, like, you're my number one of all time. And there was a dance floor. And I said to Chris, I'm like, I would love to just dance with her, can I? And she's like, you go you go crazy. Girl. And I spent two hours dancing with her. And I was like, oh, mama. She ain't falling for you, so you go for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got she's no good. Shot. Take, take as many shots as you would yeah. like. Yeah, but the Mercedes thing, I have a couple friends that are also on Family Guy. And this is one of these things. It's like year 28. It just keeps going. It's just the most beautiful safety net, isn't yeah. it? It's an annuity. It's great. I also like it. Yes. I very much enjoy doing it. I did it yesterday. Inevitably, you're talking to people that aren't in the room. How are you doing in there? And it's people you don't know or a new team on the account. And you go, I'll do it 100 times. I don't care. Yeah. I love it. Have you been invited to an F1 race as one of their guests? I have. I went to the one in Monaco. You Ooh, did. Nice. Which was and very, did you get like FaceTime cool. with Lewis? Did you get the full yes. platinum package? Yes, I did. I don't care about flying planes, but I sure would like to drive one of those. Oh, cars. yeah, yeah. Downforce versus lift. Talk about a different animal. I love driving. That's not driving. That's something else. And just to feel it once. They're not going to let me drive a... $2.4 million dollar car <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and literally hit the accelerator and smash it into the thing. And that was fun. Yes, yes. Sorry. Send me the bill. Yes, no, don't, don't send me the, me the bill. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think it's going to be a minute. Well, the budget of that team is $400 million. So 
Yeah, I think two four is very light. So I got to walk through the garage and the paddock and everything, and I was like, oh, my God, this is a military operation. It's NASA, and yeah. it packs up into 12 big rigs and then drives to the next place, and they unpack, and it's one of 10 teams. Yeah, they have the best aerodynamicists in the world, better than the ones at NASA, they better than aerospace. They can do real-time adjustments. All the telemetrics and all the stuff go to Germany where there's a team of people crunching numbers. From the test lap, they'll go, okay, change the wing and then 3D print this thing and then screw that in there and then do it and they change it. It's mind bending. Yes, the specificity and how meticulous and tedious every part of it is, is mind blowing. Yeah, when you get up close and you see the arrow, from TV, it looks impressive. You get close and you're like, oh, there's 3,000 different little wings on this yeah. thing. And I could pick up that car with my fingertips. Yes, Red Bull sent one over for me to have a viewing party and it didn't have the motor in it. And I did, I picked it up to yeah. spin it If around. it doesn't have the engine in it, it's nothing. It's a piece of carbon fiber. <laughs> oh, well, John, this was great. I really appreciate you coming. I, just the last thing I want to say is I feel like we both have equal and matching enthusiasm about the sphere. And again, I have no association with the sphere, but I got to say, it's about the most mind-bending experience yeah. I've had off of Yeah, 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 yeah. At some point it looked over and was talking to somebody and being like, I wonder if this is better or worse or equal or different on drugs because I wasn't on drugs, but it felt like I kind of was. I want to see this like three more times because I feel like I wasn't looking at the right spot at a certain yes, point you're missing and I missed time. something. And also the set that you two played was so good. It felt like going to see a concert in the future. A thousand percent. I text a friend who had posted and I said, if you were there on shrooms, do you think your head would explode? And he said, I was on shrooms. My head didn't explode. <laughs> and now I'm just thinking like, what the fuck was his experience? I didn't know that they did this or had this. They do have like a quiet room. They do? In the place. Uh, to regroup. I think more than one. <laughs> hey, if you need a little Break. moment. I remember GoldenEye. There was a video game. I think it was on PlayStation or something. It was a fully first-person shooter. It was one of the first times. And I got like seasick playing it. Sure, sure, Because sure. the screen was big enough and it was HD. And I was like, this is too much for you me. You need drama mean to play that game. I definitely do. Yeah. And I felt like some people get a little too absorbed in it and need to take a little break. Yes. Coupled with the fact that many people are fucked up there. For there sure. was a couple next to us. That's why I miss half the shit. <laughs> there was two people that were clearly rolling on MDMA. Uh-huh. And they were fucking making out in a way that you haven't even seen in a sure. junior high dance. Right. I mean, like, I was wow. like, these two are so in love. I can't keep two my people eyes. at yes. this concert. I'm like, they're definitely going to fuck standing <laughs> up, and I'm not going to miss that. I don't care what happens to Bono. Oh, oh these guys are Bono and pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bono and going. <laughs> oh, that you can leave behind. Mm. You could say anything in that voice. Yeah, I know, yeah. yeah. The streets mm, have no name. It is a beautiful day. John, this was so fun. I Thank really you appreciate you coming. Me. Yeah, we didn't like get nitty gritty with Fargo, but we had Juno yesterday. And we had Noah, and we got very nitty-gritty on both those. It's a whole is, Fargo week. Yes. I love a Fargo week. There's a lot for those that haven't seen it that are listening. Take a look. It's enjoyable. And for those that haven't seen the previous seasons of it, it's also pretty fun. Yeah. What's most important for people to know is, like, you do not need to have seen any of it. It's completely standalone. But I do believe if you watch this season five, you will be irresistibly I drawn to I was pleased to, to be enshrined in the pantheon of 
excellent bad guys that they have because yes. Billy Bob's Lorne Malvo, which is a great name. Is that the dude who was picking his teeth? No, that was David Thewlis's V.I. Varga, I think. Wow, that was intense when he picked his teeth. Super good metal. bad guys. <laughs> yeah, where you're like, I don't like this. I know. Eating that weird pudding or whatever he was. It's <laughs> just so specific and weird. Did you get any? Well, yeah, you had scenes with him, the Swede. An amazing actor named Sam Spruel. And what's his real life persona like? Just a guy who like, kind of talks like this and he's like, oh, he's British. Got two kids and I live in London. Oh, oh my God. Wow. And he's a great guy. Another thing that Fargo does so well, it sort of really delves into the supernatural yes. and picks out the thing. And this yeah, he's guy been alive for been 300 alive years. For 500 <laughs> yeah. years. But it works. It's so weird. Yeah. It doesn't it's take so you out. It's so specific and weird. And you go, yeah. yeah, maybe there is a guy whose job it is is to absorb other people's sins. Yes. And that's what yes. keeps him alive throughout the millennia. And you're like... It's <laughs> just terrifying. Yeah, I don't yeah. like that at all. Another favorite line of that show this season was him going, I'm going out, mom. Mom, I'm going out. <laughs> <laughs> He's going out, lady mom. That is very endearing. Well, the humor is fucking off the charts. Man, yeah. does he juggle a bunch of different yeah. tones and yeah. it all works. Yeah. And so do the Coens. I mean, that's really what the shared DNA is, the radical humor in scary and weird moments you look through their whole canon of work. You look at the Big Lebowski, which is a comedy on the face of it, but its comedy is so sideways. You know, it comes out of hilarious characters. Well, it's rooted in what, and this is not my saying, this is Todd Phillips. I heard him in an interview and I was like, ah, he just nailed exactly what I think about comedy. He said, for him, if comedy's not dangerous, it's not funny. I just think like, I need to be a bit scared yeah, to really enjoy it. a lot to say for that. John, John, John. We did it. A neighbor, a friend. An incredible actor. Easiest uh, commute I've ever doing had, the, and I was still late. <laughs> That's Don't what happens. Don't you agree? The I'm, I'm the latest are. when I'm closest. I think some of that is because I was going to ride my bike here, and then I was like, eh, "Do I really?" And then I had the dog, and I was like, uh, "I'll just be late." <laughs> but I did say I was going to be late. You did, and that's all we ask. All right, be well. Adore you. Thank Can't you. wait to bump into you again. We'll see you in the neighborhood. Bye. Bye. Stay tuned for the fact check so you can hear all the facts that were wrong. It's kind of like that thing you and I have talked about in the past. It shocks me you don't do this because we're so similar. But the, how I would stare in the mirror and embarrass myself. Okay. okay. I did it the other day. No. And how I, could you well, not update I didn't, me on I this? didn't stare. I didn't stare, but I was just like doing something gross. Cool. Yeah, cool stuff. And I then was like, oh, this is sort of what he's talking about. I do it all the time. Okay, great. But because I'm by myself, I live by myself, I'm single. Yes, you're single. <laughs> I don't really notice how often it's happening because I just live like that. Right, but uh, I still do it a ton and I live with people. Because I'm never with anyone when I'm in the mirror. I think you might notice it more when you're doing that. Because you aren't doing it with other people around in your house. You're doing it when you have like stolen time. My whole life is stolen time. Sure, but mostly it's just anytime I'm in front of a mirror, I get right. this impulse to embarrass myself. Yeah. And so it was just happening where I was like really enjoying how embarrassing I could be. We just had a guest that's young and I had joked many times that I want to get invited over to their house yeah. for like wine night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
this whole fantasy I have about. I don't know what they do, but anyways, I was gonna walk into this party if they do invite yeah. me, and I was gonna walk in and go Hollywood, uh, and I'm not, I don't even know why. I just know that would be like so embarrassing at my age. Yeah, Hollywood. <laughs> It would be, it really would be. Taylor Swift, where are my Swifties? As soon as I walk in. Oh God, it's because it's like a little wrong, right? That's why it's funny because it's no. I'm not getting it correct, of course. But I like that feeling. Of embarrassing yourself. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Uh, I'm so glad you're doing it. What's your methodology? um, Do you like look at yourself in the mirror and go like. "Mm." No, 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 no. (laughs) No, mine doesn't really happen in the mirror. Oh. I just. You start moving in a weird way. Yeah, like we'll move weird or like, or I'll talk to myself and it's weird. Yes, yes. Or like voices. Mm. Um, I need a voice. No. I really need some. No one will ever see Closed circuits camera of your living Well, you already have one. That's how you. That's how I knew about xanthan gum. That's right. Hollywood. What's up, my Swifties? Oh. I brought wine. <laughs> like, I think wine is so. I know. You think it's young. so young. I know. It's so weird because wine. Was an old people thing, but I do think. Is it old? I, I do feel like young people because Nina has a wine company. Okay, it's all based on Nina? Mostly, probably. <laughs> Nina Dobrev, You, you drink out. wine like a motherfucker. I'm not young. You are, and you were even younger when you were drinking your wine. Okay. I think young people do it to feel mature. I Actually, that is true. Yeah. Like, in college, we sometimes drink wine, sometimes, and it was to be advanced. That's right, to be mature. <laughs> to be mature. Now I am mature, so now it's just. I just need this wine to get yeah, through the day. That's right. <laughs> yes. That's right. <laughs> And do you find that you're doing these weird activities more or less when you have a little buzz? How does a buzz oh. affect your like in the house routine? Huh. So I think mine got crazy. That's a great <laughs> if I, question. If I was getting like tipsy, I would just start getting so, so silly weird. by myself. So yeah, weird. Yeah. I'm sure it gets worse. Yeah, I've never thought about that. But I do it sober all the time too. Yeah, same. I feel like no one really even knows me. <laughs> Isn't that how we all feel? We're all waiting for someone to see us. No, no, I don't want anyone to see. Oh, okay. I don't want anyone to see these parts. You don't want any. Isn't the desire that someone would really know you? Nope. No way. I, <laughs> Too th- risque. <laughs> these parts of me are mine only. Not nobody knows me. That's a joke. There are parts that nobody has seen. That is true. Even Callie? Yes. So that saddens me as your best buddy because. What I love about Aaron and I is that we we live in almost exclusively the zone that makes us embarrassed in the mirror. And that's the great joy of the friendship is like us in the motorhome before the family got there. Yeah. How weird the songs we're singing are, are they're just insane. Yeah. And they're getting weirder and weirder and weirder. And we're getting weirder and weirder. And I feel so unconditionally loved that I'm at my... The, the the version of myself I would most hide from people, I am like almost exclusively that mm. way around Aaron. Mm-hmm. And that's the big appeal of the friendship. Mm. So I know how I feel having Aaron's unconditional love that way. Yeah. And so as your buddy, of course, I want you to do this weird stuff in front of me so that you would know like, oh yeah, zero impact. In fact, like you more. I know, but it's not, not about anyone liking me more or less. And I- <laughs> do have unconditional love from her, for sure. I don't think it's at risk 
if I do that. I just, it's, it's just for, for me. It's like, your it, private time. Yeah. It's not that I feel like the friendship would, has anything to do with that. Uh-huh. I, that makes sense. It's just for me. Some things are just for me in this life. Mm. Still very much want to see them all. I imagine you want to see them more now that you know that <laughs> nobody can see them. Probably, yeah. yeah. Do you want to see all my weird mirror stuff? Yeah, I think I've, I, I have. And then you see a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're as uh, guarded. Yeah, with your mirror stuff. Yeah. Too late. I'm running out of time. <laughs> you well, know. I don't say that. Knock on wood. Knock, knock, knock. Chop, chop, chop. I don't like that. Okay. <laughs> I don't like that at all. But if I can't, if I'm not going to be myself, if I don't do it now, like we're running out of time. Knock, but knock, it, knock. okay, okay. <laughs> Here's the other thing. It's not. It's not like the self you know is different than that self. It's just that part's not in this relationship. Does that make sense? It's not like I'm actively holding it back. Well, certainly you are. No, I'm not. Like I'm, if you had the impulse as walking through my living room to go like, ooh, I, 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 like do something really fucking weird. Yeah. You would stop yourself. Of course. Yes. But I would never have that impulse. Oh, it doesn't just hit you sometimes? No. Oh. I would never have that impulse with any anyone around. Like, it's not something I'm like, oh, I'm going to be crazy. I can't. <laughs> I can like, keep a lid on it. No. <laughs> if it did hit me, I would do it. Okay. But it's, it's never, never hit. It's never going to hit. Yeah. It's never hit. It's different. It's different when you're by yourself. <laughs> you have an interesting relationship to embarrassment, though. I do, yeah, yeah. You don't hate embarrassment as much as me. For sure. It's almost a kink of mine. Yeah, you get off I on like it. it a lot, yeah. It's so embarrassing. Although, like, it's funny, the only word I can come up with that explains it is it's so embarrassing. It just gives <laughs> me the giddy, it's like, it's so, you feel so naked. yeah. And it's such a unique feeling. Yes, but I want to bring I want to bring something up. Okay. Um, I think we have a different relationship to embarrassment in the conventional sense of tripping and falling mm -hmm. or having a booger on your face, partying on a guest. Exactly. Yeah. But the true embarrassment in life is when you like feel. Stupid, Like, that's what it all is, right? It's like when you feel stupid. You don't feel stupid when you trip and fall. You feel embarrassed. Like, you're like, oh, my God, this, I got. I, I, I do. My explanation is an older brother. No, but you don't like feeling stupid intellectually. You don't like it. No, I don't. I don't think you do well feeling like you I are. I get angry. Exactly. Yeah, so, not embarrassed. But I think it's out of embarrassment you get that type of embarrassment, intellectual embarrassment, you get angry just like I get sad emotional okay so I do know what you're talking about and I I can think of a specific moment where it was like I I hated this feeling and it was when I was directing parenthood and I'd already directed a bunch so I felt confident as a director yeah but of course it's a much different dynamic because you're appeasing the writers and the producers when you're directing a tv show you're not actually the boss as a director yes. on a tv show and so this thing was happening in a scene and let's add, it's not like they know how good of a director I am or am not. And they're all there to help anytime one of the actors would direct a, a, an episode. Yeah. So it was like this little tiny thing that needed some figuring out, as always happens. Uh -huh. And I probably needed about five minutes to think about it. And I would have been delighted. But people started coming and I could feel that they thought they were bailing me out. Mm. 
And I was getting this very panicked feeling that was really all encompassing. Like, like, oh my God, no, I know what I'm doing. Like that was an embarrassment and it was all consuming in a way. Well, then it was a thing. Then I really needed about 10 minutes to get away from everyone to figure out what I wanted to do with this thing. Uh, Yeah. It took over. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm melting down right now because (laughs) they've, they've made me, I am feeling insecure because of their kindness, whatever. And yeah, that that got overwhelming. That's kind of the last memory I have of that. But it's funny. I see. And um, Delta doesn't have it. She has a no. Dif- yes, she does. She she has a different thing, which is something I don't mind. Right? Hers is never about a lack of competence. That's not what she gets embarrassed about. She gets embarrassed like when you repeat what she says mm-hmm. or these certain things. But it's she feels embarrassed for sure. Which is why, and she gets angry. Yep, that's her response. But Lincoln's, I always see, the way Lincoln gets embarrassed is identical to how I do. And I see how absolutely all-consuming it is and how she can't think in it. Yeah. And it's it's always triggered by the same thing that triggers me, which is like someone thinks I'm incompetent. Mm-hmm. That's never what Delta's is. It's not really about no. competence. Yeah, it's a mm. uh, weird. It's such a powerful feeling. It is. It's so unique. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> <I> <laughs> Except really for when you're in your apartment. It. I'm not embarrassed then. Oh. It's only embarrassing. And when you think about in someone relation, observing you exactly. doing it. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of a time I was embarrassed and I liked it. A true sense of embarrassment. So clearly Literally you're, you're, never. you're getting weird in your apartment. Yeah, but and I'm then, not embarrassed by it. I know, but then it crosses your mind, what if someone walked in right now and saw that? Yeah. And then you get the little shock. Yeah, I'm just like, so oh. you are by yourself and yeah. you get that shock of embarrassment. Do you enjoy it then? Well, I, I don't enjoy it. I just think like, oh God, like oh. <laughs> I'm weird. Yes, yes, yes. And, I like and weird that's people. fine. It's, yeah. I don't feel like, oh no, I'm weird. It's just a reminder like, oh yeah, I'm fucking weird. The cornerstone of some of my really good friendships growing up were finding another boy who was willing to get so weird yes. and make really weird faces. And I that. agree. When I was young, I was a lot weirder. Oh. I was a lot more open with my weirdness, yeah. my weird, my freak flag. Yeah, it's very sad that we all. I know, it gets uh, extinguished a bit. Colin Garlack was the kid who, he and I would sit. What a name. I know, now he goes by Cole, I should call him Cole, but my, when the story takes place, he was Colin. In fact, he had a, a elementary school teacher tell him, that's not your name, your name oh, is Colin. no. Yeah, but he and I would get in the his back of his trailer and we would just make faces and weird noises and we would freak out together. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun. so comforting. Yeah. <laughs> I was so hyper. Mm-hmm. And with hyperactivity comes yeah. weirdness. Yeah. And I'm not hyper anymore. That's what the other day or maybe when I thought of it yesterday or whenever this happened, I was feeling a little bit hyper. Right, I've seen you hyper several times. I like it, (laughs) I miss that feeling. I used to be so hyper and I was so fun when I was hyper. Right, playful, playful, playful. I was very playful. Have you seen, so Lincoln and I have the friendship that Colin and I had. Uh Have you ever seen it? Like we'll start making faces at each other and it can go on for 20 minutes and we're making the ugliest, we're trying to make the ugliest sounds and faces and we do it together and it's so That's fun. Nice. And it does bring me back. That is nice. To a simpler time. Sometimes Delta Delta gets very hyper. Yo, God, yeah. And yeah. I really understand it when she's in that space. Like I remember it. 
Yeah. So viscerally. Remember and I used to lick my grandma? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I was so hyper. <laughs> You'd lick her everywhere. <laughs> I did. I was just, I need to get energy out. I need to get freaky with you. Remember that song? No. Hmm. Who is it? It's like JJ and JoJo. Or <gasps> oh, Casey and JoJo? Something like that. I, I wanna, loved Casey I want to get JoJo. freaky with you. Rob will find it right now. Go ahead and find it's it. so easy to find. Phil, so freak me. It's no. Because tonight, baby, I want to get freaky with you. No, they hit play. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I got to hear the chorus, but I know this song well. I love when guys sing from the bottom of the like, I, I want to get freaky with Like they're declaring the deepest recess of love. Yeah. That's yeah, that's it. I want to get free. He's almost crying. He is. Yeah, he He's was. So, he was in the video, too. So emotional. <laughs> I've never heard it. Oh, you have That haven't? was brand new for me. Silk. 1992. Boom. Well, okay. So we're, here we are again. Day two Fargo week. Yay. Yay. This, to me, rounded out the week beautifully. I'm yeah. so glad we ended up getting him. Me too. Yeah. Good job. You did that. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, let's be honest. Jimmy Kimmel did that. Thank you, Jimmy Kimmel. You fucking best friend in the world. Yeah, good boy. Good boy. Jimmy <laughs> Kimmel, best boy Jimmy ever. Jimmy Kimmel, comma, best, best boy best ever. Best boy ever. <laughs> best boy award this year goes to. There should be a best boys award. Okay, let's give them out. Okay. okay. Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> well, he's best boy. Yeah, he's the best. Mac. Um, Mac is the best boy. Bill, oh. Bill B. <laughs> <laughs> Mac the dog. Yeah, Bilby. He's always Okay, let's give boy. out five best boy awards. Okay. Okay. Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel Max. I mean. Oh, my God, Monica. Sorry. He's passed. You can't. You can't remember. It's not my fault he passed. But you got to respect him. He's passed. You can make that mistake while he's living, but not when he's passed. Okay. Mac the dog is number two. Right. So I've I've thrown out two. You got to throw Okay, one I think best boy award goes to Tony Hale. Oh, very good pick for Best Boy Award. Um, and we have two more slots. Rob, do you want to pick one? It doesn't have to be a friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. Well, because Mac is not a friend of the I mean, he is. He's the, he's the <laughs> heart God. and soul of this pod. <laughs> you almost peace. fired me for saying that. <laughs> Max. <laughs> what a pedestrian name. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I'm hey. teasing. Like, Mac is so elevated. And also, it rhymes with your name. Yeah, and your sister's husband. That's right. Your sister husband. What if Rob was typing in best boy? I know. I can <laughs> totally see who it. Who is the best boy? Actually, type in who is the best no, boy and see. okay. You can't use one, but okay. I am curious what the internet thinks. I was going to say Nicholas Holt. Oh, interesting. interesting best boy. <laughs> it's very revealing who we pick as best boys. Yes, it is. Uh, best boy or just getting a job description? Oh. Or who is, who is oh, the right. best that's boy. Oh, right. That's the name. That's the title on a movie set. Ding, ding, mm-hmm. ding. Best boy. John Hamm has been in movies. <laughs> <laughs> or perfect I, integration. Rami. I'll change mine to Rami, actually. Okay. Rami is that's definitely better. a best boy. Sorry, Nicholas Holt. <laughs> yeah. I love Nicholas Holt. He's just too tall. He's too tall to be a best boy, I think. Well, he's and too sexual. He's very sexy. I, yeah. Not that Tony Hill's not sexy or Jimmy. Yeah. But, I, but yeah, I agree. There's Nicholas too much, Holt. There's too much... Um, there's too much hunger. <laughs> Nicholas Holt is sexy. Yeah, but he's so he's not. He. Can't. Oh my god, I'm confusing. 
I agree with that much more than I thought. I got confused. Nick, Nick Braun, you were thinking? I was. No. I'm like, that's a weird pick for best boy. <laughs> that's a weird pick. Nicholas Holt's a weird pick. He's like a sexy model. I know, but he's so nice and kind of like. Yeah, that's kind of like shockingly. I don't think he is. Oh, really? Yeah. He's a freak, you think? He, he dated Jennifer Lawrence. That's, I want to get freaky yeah. with you. Yeah. yeah. Like a, you he want does. more of like a Daniel Ricardo type. Danny's not the best he's boy. He's such a, he's a rascal. He's a rascal, but he is the best boy too. Well, we love him. Okay, let's be, just because you're not the best boy doesn't mean we don't love you so much. I might love you more than the, I love the best boys. But not more than Jimmy. We love him the okay, most. Okay, I love he's Jimmy the, the most boy. and he's the best boy. Yeah. But he's the only one I love the most and is We the need best to boy. get something made. Rob, you're great at this. <clears throat> I hate to make delegate this. Yeah, but he's, you know, he gives so many presents and he's so good at it. We should make him a best boy award. Done. Yeah. Oh my God, that would be great. Do we him a best boy? Best boy award goes Speaking to- Speaking of, you have to work on that chart about- I've already, <laughs> already, I've, already, I've got all the data. I just need to figure out now. A pie. It needs to be like a wheel with I know. colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, we have one left. You, I, I like Rami. That's a really good one. I yeah. Love it. I definitely agree with Rami. Now we have to all agree on the last one. Um, mm. That was Rami Youssef for people who don't know. Are him. trying to keep, keep up to <laughs> people that haven't seen any movies. Yeah. yeah. Although, can I? I want to. Sorry. Uh -oh. I'm poking a hole in Rami. Okay. I love him. I think he's. I, I don't know how to play this game because it feels like I'm going to insult someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, this is the nature of award shows. Oh, There's fun. more losers than there are winners. Well, no, I like I might insult the best boys by saying what I'm about to say. Okay, it's kind of what I just said about Nicholas Holt. Like he's too sexy to be a best boy. That's like not nice to the best boys. Yeah, you're right. Because you're Kimmel, funny. Kimmel Tony. is, is hot. sexy. Yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah. He's very sexy. He's a sex machine. Make him that award. <laughs> sex machine. Um. <laughs> I think Rami's too... Intellectual? Yeah. Mm. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think that's a tricky no, I'm um, being serious. metric to introduce to it. Best boy is a vibe. But, but yes, but Tony Howe... There's something. Oh, like, there's the, something. But Jimmy's not ignorant. innocent, and yet he is the he's ultimate best boy. He's not innocent, but he's, like, Endlessly kind, kind thoughtful, pure. He's, he's not pure, but he's ki there's a kindness to I him. I would put Rob in the category for best boy. Oh, wow. I would, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know who the ultimate best boy is? Matt Collins. He's such Matt, a best boy. Matt's a best boy. A hundred percent. Like Josh Hutcherson? Yeah, he's a best but boy. But Josh is <laughs> freaky too. So Spain. <laughs> All right. So we have um, Jimmy number one, uh -huh, Mac, Mac <laughs> Dog, Bilby number two. Who'd I say? Rami Youssef. You said, oh, uh, Tony Hale. Tony Hale, Rami, and, and Matt, Matt Collins. Collins. Wow, what, what a, a group. What an all-star cast. Of and honorable boys. mention, Rob. But he can't be because he has to vote also. He's part of the voting You can't committee. vote for yourself. Okay. It's part of the rules. That makes sense. Okay, now who are the best girls? It's harder to do, don't you think? Well, Lincoln's the best girl for sure. We can't do family members. Okay. <laughs> It's not only Mac. Okay. It's harder to do with girls. Jenna Ortega. Well, because it's it's implicitly harder with girls because the category is best boys. So that right out of the gates makes, it, makes it a little challenging. <laughs> Amy's a best boy. Yes. Amy's a big time best boy. 
Amy is a best boy. Okay. Yeah. The top five women who are best boys. <laughs> Amy Hansen. That's the category. She's like the Kimmel of the category. She's number one. Uh-huh. You guys don't know well enough. Allison Kirksey is a best boy. Allison Anthony's wife okay. is 100% a best boy. Oh, that's nice. Uh, she's so, her and Amy are kindreds. Amy Hansen. Allison <laughs> Kirksey Lombardo. There's um, a couple of people that you don't know that I know through Kristen that are big time best boys. Okay, who? Peachy. Oh, I, lo- I love Peachy. Peachy. Yes. She's a big time best Peachy's boy. Peachy's a best boy. And I think she listens, so shout out. Yeah, Peachy's a major best boy. Um, and I would say that um, you might think she's too horny, which is a good complaint, but um, um, uh, Ange Grimalius, Angie. Angie is she's not incredible best boy. a best boy. I love her. <laughs> too I love horny. her so much, but no way. No way. <laughs> Who are people that people would know? Right, because they don't know Peachy. <laughs> they don't know Peachy or Allison or, or Amy. Angie is <laughs> not a I don't. I can't sign off. Okay. She's awesome. I love her. She's so sweet. That little voice. Thanks. She has the sweetest voice of any person I've ever heard. Yeah. Should we call her? She can hear her voice. Mika Kelly? No. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, we need one more. No, two. We need five more. <laughs> no, okay. Four more. <laughs> we got a. We got a. Well, we have all the time in the world. Okay. 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 Who have we had on? Who's a best girl? We ha- definitely have. Best boys are a little, a little humple pump. Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Yeah, like pretty much everyone in the best boys are are Hufflepuffs. Except for Kimmel. He's definitely. (laughs) (laughs) This is like who's on first. (laughs) Kimmel's a Hufflepuff. No. I think so. No, he's not a Hufflepuff. He's Grendeldorf. You are not. Also, that's enough. You're Slytherin. Exactly. You're Slytherin. A hundred percent. I just remembered Rob is definitely not a best boy because he's so rascally. He would never qualify. He's so sweet, though. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That's a veneer. Oh. And underneath there's I think the rascality. Rascal, no, I would go the opposite. I would say because he had to be a boy, he had to carve out some rascaliness to survive in Chicago. But really, he's a best boy. That's not how it works. Okay. It's not what's underneath. It's, it's okay. It's, it's what's on the surface. What we see. Okay. It's my shield. It's your shield. Which, no. if you have a shield, you can't be a best boy. <laughs> Mandy Moore? Oh, that's a good one. Really good. Loved Mandy. Yep. Big time best boy. (laughs) Okay. Okay, you want to be done with this. Man. What? No, I was just like, that was. That was a fun exercise. That was a very fun exercise. But remember when Jedediah was on talking about that a lot of gay men have best boy syndrome? Yes. Which So we just want to delineate. This is different than best boy syndrome. Definitely. It's just best boys. Because I don't think any gay men made the list, which would be confusing if you thought we were talking about that best boy syndrome. I wouldn't even say I wouldn't even say M- Matt Damon's a best boy as much as he's no, my, he's, he's not. my best boy, but he's not a best boy. No, he's got a. They can't be from New he's York. He's got a potty mouth. He's from Boston. Boss, I mean, but they can't be from the east. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kimmel like hardens it a little bit. Again, okay, Kimmel doesn't. Yeah. Kimmel violates every single part of the best boy definition. Yet he is the ultimate best boy. Oh uh, boy. Okay. Um. Okay, well, oh, here we are again. John Hamm, not a best boy. No. Um, but a cool guy. Yeah, cool guy. And a jock? Jimmy. <laughs> what? Jimmy's a best boy and a cool guy. Big time. How's he doing this? 
He's a man of many talents and colors and facets. Okay, well, we got on this subject because Jimmy helped get John there we on. Go. That's right. He single-handedly. Yes, because I, I went all the conventional routes. Yep. It was a no, 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 no. And I had originally, like, asked Kimmel, while acknowledging this is very inappropriate, but if you would be comfortable giving me his number, the irony being... Well, so I, and then I explained why, and he's like, I'll text him first. And then my phone rings and by God, it says John Hamm. He's already in my phone. So I went through all of that and I had his number, but I did not remember having his number. So I didn't even look. Wow. I should look if Donald Glover's in my phone. You met him for the first time today, right? John Hamm? (laughs) Yes. For for the fifth and first time. Yeah. Yeah. I want to give people an update because I think people know how into him I am. I am texting with Anderson Pack now. It's been a big That's development. That's huge. Yeah. And I'm going to eat at his restaurant on Saturday. You are? Yeah. I am proud of you. Or not proud. I'm happy for you. Oh, thank you. But I'm not proud. <laughs> Good. All to say, they were in the same boat as they were with Juno. We recorded with John today. Uh-huh. Did you write any facts down, Rob? No, because you nope. thought we were going to do it tomorrow. <laughs> Correct. Understanding, understandable. I haven't. Let me. I, I thought, notes. and there were some. So there that's were? a bummer. Yeah. I wish you and I could disconnect our noses, like right he- from here to here. Okay. Clunk, like um, Mr. Off. Potato Head. Yeah. And switch noses. Why? It'd be so fun to look to at see... each other with each other's noses on our. Do you think? I have a feeling if we did that, yeah, we'd realize they're very similar. I'm flattered. Though. I think so. I think your nose is far more attractive than mine. No. No. I have a huge nose. We you, all know this. We all a, knows this. You do not have a huge nose. Yes, I do. But I have a huge nose. We have the same nose. I wonder if we switch noses and we'd go, oh, fuck, we were supposed to switch. It, that's guess, what I'm uh, saying. But it'd just be darker. Your oh, ears yeah. would look crazy. I think it'd look crazier to have a white nose on a brown <laughs> face than a brown nose on a white face. Because you could just think I like I didn't Shadows. put sunblock on yeah. that, and sure. I, it's really tan, which does happen. My nose is so big, it sucks in all the radiation. It gets much more tan than the rest of my face. Uh huh. Okay. But don't you think it'd look crazy if you had a big, huge white nose on your face? Yeah, a little it would. bit red, <laughs> red and white. The coloring and terrible would skin. be different. Mm. Oh, I wish we could do it because I bet my nose would look not huge on your face because my face is smaller. Yeah. I wanted, we should get someone to digitally do it. It's got to be easy. My nose is big for my face, but it might not be big on your face. How about this? And this is, I feel bad requesting this, Mm -hmm. but people do make art of us. (laughs) And it's really good. It is. And we never, we've never requested because that seems entitled. Yeah. But I'm throwing it out there, like, if you are someone that's making a painting of us and you have the skill set, I would love to see a painting with our noses switched. And do you want the color? Like, how do yes, you Yes, the color's got to be accurate. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Just the nose. Any other pieces? No, the no- we'll start with the nose, see how that goes. Oh, <laughs> so they have to make a lot of paintings. Profile view? Oh, I hate Just- my profile. <laughs> well, is, it, is that the, you're going to see it? No, no, I'm dead on. Dead on? Yeah. I could do that in Photoshop. You think you could do that quite easily? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm very much looking forward to this DVD. Maybe we'll put up put this up on the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. People will be like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> what happened to their face?" The poor person who stopped listening because of Squatty Potty. They'll never be able to find out what well, why is there. That's on the them. That is the price you pay. It is sad when you see baby like this picture of me 
her nose is so sweet looking. Same with me. If you look at me in junior high, you're like, that kid had a shot. Look at that cute little button nose. Yeah. The freckles all over it. My hair wasn't gray. A lot of things. Mm. My chin looked stronger. Lips were huge, though. Mm. Lips were always huge. Okay. They only got smaller because my face got bigger. But these, this is the same size lips I've had since I was eight years old. You always say your lips are big. They're big. But I don't think that. And maybe it's because you grew up with oh. lips that were big, but now your face has grown into them. That's possible. Also, my father had a huge bottom lip. Okay. And so I think I was like conscious of his and then realizing I was getting it as well. Interesting. Yeah. And my lips are bigger than my brother's. I was known to have big, I have a big mouth and lips. I'm, this, this is really what the Zach Braff similarity is, is, is it's the mouths. Huh. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> Rob, swip, swatch her. There's swatch plenty of that on the internet. I don't know that we need to do any swaps. <laughs> well, um, I do have that face swap photo of Zach and I, and it is so confusing, man. It is yeah, fucking so weird. It is weird. Mm-hmm. I wish I, I, it, I want to know someone who looks so much like me. Well, we may find that person here you? soon when we go back to the motherland. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the Indian actresses I've seen on TV, I, they don't look like me. Do you agree? Like, have you? <laughs> <laughs> well, which of these many Indian actresses are you? Mindy? Mindy. Uh, Priyanka? Yes, Mindy, Priyanka. All the girls from the Mindy show. Yep, the girl from Devs. Well, fuck though. Remember how identical I thought you looked to the girl that was in Stranger Things? That's her. That's the oh, girl. Oh, yes, and she was in Devs. I think you guys look a lot alike. I think that's because of Indian brownness. No, because I don't think you look like those other. I don't think this really? is racism. I think it's that, not racism. I, I just, think you guys look a lot alike. Same really? eyes. And Let me mouth. look her up again. Yeah, Devs. She's the main girl. The uh, Indian girl, Linnea. She Linnea Berthelsen. Yeah, that's her. Yeah, I'm friends with her. You are. Yeah. Oh. Well, I follow her on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to let you at that party. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you can say you're friends with someone and not know their name. I think that's like a good just like rule of thumb. That's young people? Yeah. Young people have that rule. Okay. She's Um, Danish, not Indian too. Well, she is Indian, but she's been adopted by Danish parents. Linnea. Linnea is a Danish name. I do, do you not think, Rob, look do you think, like her. You think they I wish like I did. She's beautiful. I can see it. You got to look at her, type in her name and Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. Even more in Stranger Things. Right? Yeah, in yeah. Stranger <laughs> Things, I was like, oh, my God, Monica's on screen. And she <laughs> had a shaved side. That's why. Or I actually think obsessed. it's tight braids, but that's what really made me. <laughs> I know. No, it's the shaved. whole it's shaved thing side. about shaved sides is actually it, it was stems- never shaved sides. No, it's shaved I know. sides. Is it shaved? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Oh. And yeah, so I was like, oh, this girl looks just like Monica, and this girl looks so cool with shaved sides. Monica should try this. I'm, I feel sorry for her about this conversation. Why? Because she's beautiful, and I don't, and not, I'm not this, you, no one's allowed to say anything right now. I'm just saying I don't look like her. And it's like, 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 do you like Rob that she's just like, let me tell the truth, the final <laughs> truth. Of I am, my opinion is the final truth. No, because I, we're not going to do this thing, right? But we're hold on. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. We're not going to do that. It's boring. That was a 2024 thing. We're going to stop talking about that we're not attractive. Yeah, right? we, we so are. Th- we're over that. Exactly. But we do agree that 
in, in not even in general, like 99% of the time, people never think they look like the person other people think they look like. That is very standard. I think that's not true. It is. You know so about Zach people, Braff. I think we're one of the anomalies that we both agree. Mm. But everyone I've met who looks so much like somebody and I tell them, they're like, no, I don't. It's always like such a reaction. Rob, do you think you do kind of look like Elijah Wood? Like you can see it. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. But you think, <laughs> we agree that, you and I agree that she looks in Stranger Things yeah. a ton like Monica, right? Yeah, yeah. And in Devs. Yeah. Well, I forget why we brought this up, but basically Indian people, oh yeah, <laughs> Indian people. You make, don't look like Indian people, I, but it turns out you look like a Danish Indian. Anyway, uh, she's in Vogue. <laughs> Never been in Vogue. Actually, I, there was an article about me in Vogue. That was there very, you go. very You cool. guys are virtually living parallel lives. As, and look identical. Anywho. Okay, I do kind of look like her in this Jesus. one in one picture. Finally. I'll give you one picture. Okay. I wonder okay. if she'll be in India when we go. Call her. You're friends with her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call her and see if she's going to be down there. Okay. There are no facts, <laughs> obviously, because we are circling the drain on this fact check. Yeah, that's okay. Listen, it's a bonus episode. There's already more content than anyone's expecting. Right. So, it, you know, I can only feel so bad. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, there honestly, you, you are that's welcome. Because that's we, what keeps you from being a best boy, but I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that common joke that you love so much. Well, also then his joke the other day, it almost came twin up in here to the twin great. flames. It was great. <laughs> that, fucking, that was your best joke. Bro. Oh my God, it's so good. Well, I love you. That was a great week. Yeah. We pushed hard. Well, we have one left, Thursday. Yeah, 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 one oh, left. Oh, but I see what you mean. I mean, like, yeah, just for getting us. all this done and the time frame we did, it was really hard. And I'm so I'm grateful for both of you. And um, I love when we pull something off and we did. Last shout out, Jimmy Kimmel. Best, best boy. boy. This year's and Best Boy Award. And cool guy. And cool guy and sexy guy. And sexy Sexy man. boy. Sexy boy. No, it <laughs> He's has a sexy to be, boy. No, it can't be. I see. That's yep. how he ends up in two different categories. It's best boy, cool guy, sexy, sexy man. man. Beautiful. <laughs> I would like to be considered for cool man, I guess. That's not one. You want to be cool guy? Oh, cool guy. And do you want... If you had, I want oh, sexy this man This is a good too. question. Okay. Which one? Oh. Which, well, we can. you know we can rule one out right you away. You don't care about best boy. Fuck best boy. Although... <laughs> If it were like Jimmy's version, yes. Because again, Jimmy's not a best boy that he is. A best <laughs> He's boy, the so. only one in all three. We already said that. Yeah. So if you had to pick your bucket. Oh, sexy or cool? Cool guy or sexy man? That is a real tough one. I think cool is the safer route because girls will be attracted to cool. And then guys are attracted to cool, but they, they hate sexy guys. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's the most, to cover the most, the widest net yeah. would be the cool guy award. How about you? It's hard. It's hard for best me. Best boy, cool. I'm not ruling out best boy man. as quickly as is you as wanting, but I'm not one. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I think I want to be. God, I think I want to be a sexy man. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's because the reality is I'm a I'm a cool guy. Careful. I am. We have a commitment. You know, that's- But what's interesting I, that's, though is I- I'm I, happy to be a cool I guy. I am a, I actually think I am a cool guy. 
Yeah, you I do. are. And so I'm weirdly picking. Like I'm yeah, not you're picking what I'm you not, are. Right. Wow, that's advanced. That's very 2024. Jedi. <laughs> very Jedi of me. <laughs> Jedi Jenkins. Jedi Jenkins. Friend of the pod. All right, love you. I love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.